This program deals with devil worship and satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes and rituals. Americans are asking who attacked our country. You have declared a subliminal jihad against the United States. Can you tell us why? Everything pertaining to what's happening has never come to the surface. The world will never know the true facts of what occurred, my motives. And night fell on a different world. And Iblis is thinking, you know, I should be getting this position, not Adam, and this guy is created from dirt. And how does the army feel about you being head of the Temple of Set? And the conspiracy theorists can say what they will. But... I want you to give me power over Adam. And I want you to give me soldiers and minions and all of these things. But he has, but he has so much to gain and has such a material Welcome back to Subliminal Jihad, episode 167. I'm your co-host, Dimitri. I'm Khaled. And... We're back today. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, we're really we're we're you know we're always back, but we're really we're <laughs> so we're so back today. Yeah, um, we haven't recorded together in a long time. Uh, you were on a trip, and you know, just various stuff. But you know, we're recording. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, uh, yeah, I think the 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 longest little hiatus that uh, SJ has ever done um, has now yeah come to a close and. It's, Is that uh, true? It was a long, I guess, yeah, true, like, because you weren't recording anything. I definitely feel like I've taken, like, months off when I was doing my dissertation, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. Normally, yeah. I think that's when I go into my little uh, uh, Demon Forces cave and yeah. start eventually start cranking out those, um, but this time, no. I was uh, bouncing around the EU for a little bit, and then, yeah, came back, had to settle various things, so neither of us, you know, we've been re-releasing some hits from the past um somebody i'm sure anybody's noticed on our feed but somebody had asked me to re-upload some of the early hot gaff the gustavus myers episodes uh because i think they're going to go camping where there was no cell phone reception and i realized that i guess you can't download the soundcloud ones but you can download it on patreon so Mm -hmm. that turned into hey and then let me fix some of the shitty audio in the early ones so yeah um i think at this point we've mostly re-released all the hot gap ones which actually has been nice to listen to because there's so much information in that and like some of it it gets lost in the sauce after 160 something episodes i think Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. yeah so it's nice to revisit these things but no, we're back, uh, and I think, you know, today is a Q&A, but we're also back where, you know, we are so back right at the time when uh, it feels like it is so over for, <laughs> I don't know, uh, a lot of things <laughs> in the world. Um, the world is yeah, a little bit Yeah, it's a horrible, horrible, right horrible week. Um, yes, yes. Um, and uh, we're recording this on October 18th, Wednesday, which uh, yeah. I believe is is this 12, uh, 11 days after um, the current uh, military wow. conflict or the mass Military slaughter. conflict, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like a really yeah. terrible way of putting it. Mm-hmm. But The uh, clash, the, um, the, the, the clash. yeah, the disagreement. 
the property dispute yeah. kicked off. Yeah, with uh, which which I think I think definitely for you and uh, for myself as well, and I think for a lot of listeners has been a pretty harrowing and disturbing. Uh, yeah, week I've and been a half. Outraged. Um, I've been very. I've yep. been very mad. Yeah. Uh, Same. Yeah, and it's awful looking at social media. <laughs> like it's like X. There needs to be there needs to be an exodus. Uh, that's I really think that like this app is like needs to end. It's just I mean not to say that it was ever like not evil. Like as we've said yeah. many times, it always was. Mm-hmm. But its evil potentialities, I think, have under its new uh, leadership have been brought out all the more. Like I never thought that I would like miss the days of the old blue checks. And like, yeah, you know, the legacy media like on uh, the Palestine issue is dreadful, but I genuinely think that like the noise of like particularly like uh, Hindu fascist, like uh, Anon or like imposter accounts is like so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I am Al Jazeera journalist Farrah Khan. I saw Hamas's rocket blow up the hospital like like (laughs) er, like, you know, five zillion times every hour, like just spamming it like uh, like a Hasbro hurricane on X. Yeah, uh, right. That's basically exactly. And like the way that it's set up where like if there are Palestinian journalists who still are able to get on Twitter, like they're probably gonna be in less of a position to pay the fucking eight dollars to get their posts like boosted and i genuinely think that the eight dollar boost is greater than the boost that you got from being actually verified on the old twitter like now like your posts are so prioritized if you pay the freaking eight dollars and so it's just like all these like idf accounts that uh you know are like just making up lies without yeah they just lie I mean, lie, now lie, now lie. we're more in the. I mean, there's been lying throughout. Now we're really in the peak. Uh, I feel like the lying has taken over. Um, the open like genocidal bloodlust, which was really a hallmark of like the first few days, um, it's still there. But I think maybe they're like sort of realizing now that has some downsides. But I mean, the uh, the open calls for like you know. A, a second Nakba for, you know, exterminating these, you know, human animals and like all that kind of language with uh, everybody in the U.S. just kind of like applauding and totally yeah. cool with it. it. It's led to a really dark and fucked up situation now. And I think in Europe as well, where I just was the uh, the, you know, coolest ultra liberal city in Europe, Berlin, you know, uh, is pretty much uh, banning, you know, pro-Palestinian protests of any kind now. And uh, I think, I don't know if it's as, as extreme. Yeah. Some European countries are like, even if you walk around with a Palestinian flag, like that's considered like supporting Hamas and you can get deported. Like, yeah. I think France and the UK have been people flirting with that. Like, uh, are getting like in trouble. Like, I think in Israel, people are getting arrested for like liking like Instagram posts. Like, people are literally getting like investigated uh, over like who they follow on social media. Like, yeah. it seems like I, it's hard to imagine it lingering for as long uh maybe it will but it seems like at least for now we've like been like thrust back into like the post 9-11 insanity Mm -hmm. like for a lot of people Um, yeah 
like one, yeah. one of the very interesting things to see uh, as far as social media goes has also been all of these uh, people that I feel like have been relatively like pretty well boosted on you know Elon's X. But uh, I'm talking about the dissident right, like the dissident intellectual yeah, oh, dark right. web renegades mm-hmm. who are against all this yeah, bullshit. Not neocons by in, any stretch. Not neocons. Yeah. They don't want to live they, in your longhouse, man. They're critical man. of the CIA and the oh, FBI. Yeah, yeah. You know, I they, mean, also, inter- you know, our, our, our favorite it's presidential candidate. How, how these days, uh, you know, it's the right wing that is critical. You know what? I actually will say, like, uh, some of the people who generally I consider to be, like, worthless, this is the one issue where like i see that there is some like value to like what remnants of like a or or what sort of uh shadow of like a left there is like in the united states where actually like there's some distinction can be made like even yeah even some people who i generally consider to just be worthless like (laughs) on this are more or less uh, good or at least like you know make uh, an effort in like caring uh in in as far as it goes uh yes, but yes. yeah you're absolutely right that like you know where uh there's kind of like as you know if, if criticized before but this whole like idea of like oh you know eh, it kind of like the green greenwald line of like what happened where now we have the left uh, they just love the cia and uh, the, the right wing like tucker or the real socialists it's like uh mm-hmm. and we have like all these people who are like such dissidents and such anti-neocons like just foaming at the mouth uh, in support of uh, Israel's ethnic cleansing of Palestine, just like, you know, wanton calls for genocide in a textbook sense. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And just kind of showing their bog-standard neocon, like, face yes. after all these years of playing the dissident. And, um, I mean, we don't even need to get into, like, you know, Bronze Age Zionists suddenly, <laughs> you know, going off about how, like, rape and slaughter of civilians, like, gets him hard, uh, and then suddenly, oh, wait, 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 this isn't Bronze Age. I mean, that was kind of funny uh, to watch. And just everybody else of that kind of milieu. Because I think, you know, even Peter Thiel uh, historically comes from, you know, a kind of family bloodline that I would say is historically has been a little hostile to Jews, um, (laughs) if you know what I mean, growing up being born in West Germany. But I think that's also something we've seen today is like the really macabre kind of uh, sort of synchronicity between the way that like hardliner Zionists are talking and behaving and like the slaughter that, you know, the military is committing and and older forms of like right wing authoritarian apartheid governments that, you know, like they're they're supposed to be different from for some reason. Um, And I think also like the sort of dystopian total surveillance state hell that the Gazans live under. I think that is something that Peter Thiel, you know, who founded Palantir, I think he probably sees a lot of promise and a lot of good in the kind of security system that the Israelis have and, you know, penning in undesirables into open air prisons. I'm sure that might be part of his uh, grand vision for the future. So I think it's like everybody associated with like Teal and like the intellectual dark web and like the Weinstein brothers. Oh boy, they've been going off. You know, all these people are just reverting to like the most like standard boomer, like hysterical Zionism, you know, after this shit happened. And um, 
not not really feeling so dissident because they're even in complete lockstep with like the shit libs and Brandon and you know all these elitists that they hated so much, oh, and yeah. um and, and it does feel like you know a, as gross as it is to see it, it's kind of a maybe a productive mask off moment for people that thought that they were really like standing against like the world order as it was or yeah, well, whatever the fuck they were selling. Yeah, now that it's worth it and uh, it was really, truly inevitable. And you know what? The people who like bought into that are so deluded that I don't think that it's a mask off moment for them uh, <laughs> anyway. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's rough. It's really, really rough. And <laughs> probably going to get rougher uh, from here. I think... Uh, um. Our our boy Brandon was just in uh, Tel Aviv today after mm-hmm. yeah uh, most of the Arab leaders canceled on him because after the... being glued to it like the today I was just like basically tuned out yesterday was like the uh, hospital bombing yeah. and mm-hmm. then subsequent denial and I was just transfixed by that um, same, same you know because it was just like this really just mesmerizing vertigo of horror. propaganda and bullshit and, yeah and horror and <laughs> horror, yeah. horror um, and lies and just yeah like watching the narrative get kind of spun in uh in real time yeah and, like the uh, yeah. Uh, that's another faction on twitter that i've i've come to despise over the course of this which is like the the ascent people oh, it's like, like excuse me cat. who the fuck are you like yeah, uh, yeah, like yeah. what you just like watch a bunch of youtube videos of rockets and like now you're like the like the geolocation expert like yes like yes. why should i listen to you like shut the fuck up like i've hated those accounts for years because like, yeah. they always come down on literally one side of the narrative and you know like if this had happened in Syria a few years ago, they would have been bending over backwards to be like Assad did it. He totally launched the missile. Like, look at these coordinates and like these angle and stuff. And it feels like a lot of uh, a lot of you know like a magic trick kind of like you deluge people with like the this yeah. data that looks like you know open source intelligence and blah blah blah. And you know, then you can kind of spin like enough of a narrative to make things ambiguous to if that. If you just like drown people and just inundate them with enough like shit, like it just becomes exhausting. Like it's like, you know, that typical thing, like where if you're like trying to win an argument, you just throw out a bunch of different points and uh, the odds are the person is not going to be able to respond to them, even if like they're all complete bullshit. So they do the exact same thing where they're just like, look at this video, look at this video, look at this video, like this proves this, this proves this. And it's like at the, by the time, like, you know, you get to the eighth video, you're just like, oh, my God. So, yeah, it's just meant to overwhelm and distract. It's not real. And like to create confusion, not really to prove anything like people have already brought up. I think the comparison with uh, I mean, there's many, many times when. Uh, Israel used a similar excuse saying that they didn't do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, OK, like there there have been times when like, uh, you know, uh, rockets have misfired and things like that and, and people have died uh, as a result. So, you know, I'm, I'm not like uh, going to do the, the war nerd thing of like closing the door completely on the possibility of uh, the one percent chance of that that being the case. Sure. However, uh, I mean, if that were the case, it would have to be the most 
plausible excuse that they've put forward, which is also the most despicable if it's not true, which it probably isn't, is that like there wasn't, you know, uh, that uh, level of, of uh, casualties that, you know, uh, Hamas lied about the origin of the rocket and also lied about um how many you know died. how many people died because that's the only thing that would possibly make sense because there's no way that uh hamas rocket killed 500 plus people by landing um, in a in a parking lot that's what they're just like, by that's breaking their apart and falling yeah. down like a and if you listen to the video rocket? like come on like, no yeah it sounds like a jdam like uh, you know, they do the sound comparison like it sounds like a yeah you like know a, again I'm I'm not a, an awesome a ballistic expert who's listened sure. to thousands and thousands of hours of, of YouTube videos of rockets, uh, you know. But uh, to me, you know, I think that it's pretty it's a pretty big uh, stretch. And just the the fact of like the amount of lies that happened and the way they were gloating about it beforehand, kind of yeah. They all posted that they struck one direction. They struck terrorists, yeah. you know, in the hospital there, and then deleted it. Yeah, and the doctor at the hospital. The director, and four days ago, know, they shelled the hospital. So yeah, and they're like, certainly not. It's not like they would never strike a hospital, you know. They've done so it's it like, dozens of times. Yeah. So the evidence seems to point very strongly in one in one direction. But they've done this before, you know. Like people uh, point made the comparison with Shireen uh, Abu Akla. Like I remember that uh, after, you know, she was killed, there was a similar thing where people were like, you know, this is the position of her body. This is the angle of like the Palestinian gunman and like creating all these like little like sort <laughs> yeah. of uh, picture like, you know, Zapruder film analyses of it, uh -huh. you know, to try to. Uh, and then eventually they just sort of like uh, months later, they acknowledge it and they're like, we're, we'll, we'll investigate. And, you know, they never, of course, did. And. Uh, there have yeah. been plenty of times where they use the sort of the faulty rocket excuse and it turned out like, no, actually, we killed all these people. If I so, recall, America also did that with the uh, the Medicine Sans Frontier, Sans Frontier um, mm -hmm. a hospital in Afghanistan a few yeah, years ago right, where right, we right. bombed yeah, it and killed tons of people. And then yeah. I think like steadfastly denied it and said the Taliban did it like for at least months and then quietly were like, eh, OK, yeah, we, we kind of did that. Like, yeah, uh, but it was like it was an accident, you know, and I think in this case, I mean, I'm, I'm actually I'm just frustrated on the level of uh, them throwing like the seeds of doubt in sort of pushes aside like what I thought was kind of an intriguing question of like, why do that right before Biden arrives? Because like the reaction to it was so strong and they, they had to know that that would be seen as kind of like an escalatory provocative kind of thing even though they already were killing thousands of people but this is like so nakedly like a civilian target and um and then like what would the logic behind that be to like sort of close the door so that biden doesn't beat them into a corner and say like you like hey listen pal like we're getting a lot of shit from all the other arab countries about you know the stuff that you're doing so like you need to take it down a notch even though i'm not sure that's what he would even say to them uh when he went there but that's the only about the only thing i could think of is like okay this is really going to polarize things into like no we're going to war like this is a conference this is a big confrontation and like you have to back us and like i think that it's possible honestly that they didn't realize that there was going to be that level of backlash interesting interesting that it, that does seem to be the the vibe with the rest of the bombings. I mean, because they've just been wantonly killing civilians at an incredible rate. Yeah, so bombing the Rafa like crossing multiple thought, times. Yeah, like like so. announcing that that like road was open and it would be safe, and then bombing it. Like they've literally 
done atrocities like this multiple yeah. times over the last like week and a half. Blame on Hamas. Um, yeah, every time, every time. You know, but um, yeah, the uh, I guess you know it, even when they directly do do it, it's Hamas's fault because of the human shields. <laughs> um, uh, oh yeah, but, yeah, yeah, of uh, Anyway, so no, like so I think that they've just been wantonly killing civilians uh, without uh, any sense of remorse or any conception that this is wrong at all, uh, or any like acknowledgement that it's like even regrettable uh or unjustified so i think that they didn't necessarily expect that there would be you know that response to the the hospital bombing yeah i think it's the energy felt like they scrambled to cobble together some like quote-unquote evidence to like but they needed like 24 hours really to do originally now they have like you know the uh super crystal clear audio of the two uh hamas operatives discussing uh you know the uh the the misfire of the rocket all know Uh, due to the amazing developments of ai that that is about the easiest thing to uh well it doesn't even require ai like or just get some guys who speak like um sound palestinian like or yeah it's not like they have names or anything so it's like you know but uh yeah so that could be anything it's not really probative of, of anything but uh at first just the fact that they were posting like videos from years ago just to like create confusion it doesn't you know it, uh yeah like it that suggests too. exactly what you're saying like that they didn't fucking care about you know actually uh you know proving anything they yeah. just wanted to cr- like cast doubt and it worked like it, it kind of yeah, yeah. oh it worked like, just that's... enough for because I could tell that CNN anchors were uncomfortable yesterday when I was watching yeah like like try like having the IDF just sort of spout like some like really shaky bullshit that completely contradicted what it, what it looked like and then being like uh, okay thank you like but you know are are you gonna give us proof though like. And it's like, we'll lie for you, but you have to give us something to, like, stand on. Like, we can't just say that, like, the terrorists did it to themselves, like, without any fucking evidence. So I think the IDF is like, okay, fine. We'll, we'll put out this little press conference and these little videos. And now you can kind of say, like, the line I kept hearing yesterday was like, well, you know, who do I trust more? The IDF? Or a terrorist organization. I'm going to pick the IDF every time. I'm like, okay, well, you're going to get lied to constantly. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, you're, you're they're proven like, liars. They love lying. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure I mean, America knows uh, the CIA and everybody knows what actually happened. But of course, they also probably see the immense backlash from it and being like, you know, just for their own kind of self-interest. Like, you have to make up whatever you got to make up. Just like we need this to go away. This is bad. You guys went a little too hard on that one, but um, but I think even like if they get away with this one, the amount of destruction they're inflicting uh, is not going to be brushed under the rug. I don't think this time, and especially since I think just before we recorded, they announced you know uh, Operation Vengeance Sword or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> um, their planned invade ground invasion is like gearing up now, and I guess BB allegedly informed biden that it was inevitable um will that end up being a huge uh, trap for them i guess time will tell i'm certainly not going to make any predictions but uh dicey situation all around really i mean uh, beyond the horrors of it like geopolitically this is uh about as tense as i could imagine it being you know 
Like in some ways, even the the lead up to the war in Iraq, which I kind of remember, it like that had a little more. America was so on its like unipolar high horse that mm-hmm. it did. It, even though it was kind of sickening, it was like we could do whatever we wanted, and like nobody was powerful enough to like stand up against us. But now it's like, are we? We're kind of in our flop era. Like America's like a fucking mess right now. I don't know. Even going to Europe before all the all this kicked off, and like this is probably like a cliche because I feel like every American realizes it when they get over there. Like even with all of its problems, and it has a ton of problems. Like it just made me realize what a rip off society we live in, <laughs> and like how fucked everything is. Like it just there's just little things that make life a little bit more pleasant are like still preserved in like various European countries. Like the food is better. Like you know, I know, like, you know, Koof juice is bad and stuff, but, like, even in Berlin, which is partly gentrified, like, you go to a bar, you go to a club, you can just walk in, like, you know, the Speti, like, the Mini Mart, and it's, like, a, a euro for, like, a German beer, which is, like, you know, good, and not, like, fucking Budweiser. I don't know, just a lot of things, you know, and the prices are, like, going through the roof, like, the job market sucks, like... You know, every city is becoming kind of this dystopian have and have not kind of cyber dystopia. Like, like we're just a fucking mess. So, like, are we really going to, if the uh, axis of resistance really, you know, pushes for us? We already have one war going on that, uh, you know, rough week for uh, Zelensky, right? The servant of the people. Um, I think yeah. his... his well, that's the, the shot thing. clock like, just started on his uh, his great patriotic war. I think um, not yeah. looking good for you know the Slava Ukraini brigades. And um, I mean, I feel like the the empire is uh, receding. You know, we're definitely our empire is is in decline. It's about that time where we can't really you know sustain this too much longer. You know, like uh, we're gonna have to. F- I mean that's the thing like what's gonna happen if like hezbollah gets in it you know what's gonna you know like it's a a big possibility you know then the u.s is gonna have to come and get involved like i mean they probably already are i'm planning on it uh no matter what so yeah but a direct like u.s boots on the ground in like israel would be a huge change in the past because you know we prop up their military and their government give them tons of Mm -hmm. aid but like they've always been like we can handle this ourselves like kind of shit yeah so you know there's always been that would be a huge show of like the weakness of the idf if uh, like marines had to deploy and like fight with them or something like that you know yeah. and then and then of course they have a bunch of illegal nuclear weapons which is also amazing and like mm-hmm. allegedly a samson option where was it that I, I think did cy hirsch report this back in the day but i mean always like grain of salt but that th- they had threatened maybe this is during the six days war uh, or the um Kippur yeah, war. Yeah, they threatened to if, like bomb the Soviet Union, which would then, you know, blame it on the on the US and annihilate the that's a story of basically that, they end the world with nuclear yeah. uh, like an apocalyptic yeah. nuclear war if they're about to be overthrown, which is like cool. Thank you. Um yeah, that's a very cool attitude to have. Um glad we yeah. let them get nukes. Like, you know, this is like probably one of the most bloodthirsty regimes in the world that illegally has nuclear weapons so you just got to throw that in the mix that complicates things a lot because 
you know, if you go down the road of like the Zionist, you know, sort of uh, regime, as it were, ever coming to an end, like there, there are some fanatical people that probably, you know, high up in the in the military and the government, there's some like outright fascist people. You know, once again, yeah. this is like in a in the bosom of one of America's greatest allies, just like Ukraine. Yeah, there's all I these mean, fascists that we've been enabling for years. Yeah, I mean the right wing in is, and there really is no meaningful Israeli left to speak of. Doesn't Not seem that, that one way in the United States, but you know, yeah. uh, well, they're they're a little brother, so you know, it makes sense that. Uh, uh, yeah, be. they're yeah they're the the. the the little Satan. So they're yeah, absolutely they're 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 maniacal. They're completely bloodthirsty. It's and even, really and even if they succeed, like where's that gonna leave them? You know? I mean every country neighboring them is like not gonna forgive them for what they do. <laughs> like, I mean, uh it's already a little past the the road of like mere, you know, forgiveness, but like especially this time. I feel like, you know, if they basically give a middle finger to the whole world. And it's hard to see, like, what's going to happen. I mean, it, I feel like I feel like people need to stand. Like, I feel like, you know, we'll see. It's hard to uh, imagine them going against the United States, maybe Iran, but I don't know. Uh, like, it, but it, it seems like people need to stand up, like, if they're really going to go through with just killing like a million people more like mm -hmm. a million civilians like which i don't know like are forcibly expelling them into a tent city in the desert like i guess is maybe the the uh, like idea the biggest ethnic cleansing since probably world war ii um so I mean, bigger than the original nakba yeah um i don't it's know i i think uh a very I, upsetting I, situation it is. It is. I, I think we're gonna like return to it properly. Um, sort of. We're, I mean, we're. I think we're both gonna be monitoring it closely. And I think uh, when there's like a real productive angle for us to take, I think we're gonna do a proper, like, full episode kind of dive. Um, but yeah, as it stands right now, I think we just have to push back against the propaganda in whatever capacity you know you can like i don't want to overstate the significance of that but i feel like i don't know a lot of americans have a mistaken view of like israel and palestine and like what's gone on in that region it has been like heavily sort of pounded into our brains in like both subtle and explicit ways you know our entire lives for the past uh, 75 odd years that, you know, they're just like us. They're the only democracy in the region. They have an amazing society. These Palestinians are fanatical animals that, you know, just hate them because they're Jews. And, like, that's why this is all happening. And, like, all these kind of things like that. Or, you know, the, the lies that I hear from, repeated from people that, you know, I wouldn't even consider, like, oh, they're Zionist or, like, they're, you know, racist at all. But, like, oh, well, you know, why don't the other Arab countries, like... You know, none of them want the Palestinians. Like, just there's casual things like that that get repeated, mm -hmm. like, all the time that are very easily refutable. You know, like, yeah, ooh, the Palestinians, like, want to stop being oppressed so much. Like, why don't the other Arab countries take them in? It's like, well, <laughs> that's because 
that's the whole beef. It's their land. They don't want to leave. <laughs> like, if they leave, yeah. they're never going to be let back in. So, like, they would have to accept that's the whole conflict is that their land was stolen, you know, and then, uh, like, oh, well, they've had, you know, 20 years to build their own society and look how poor <laughs> they are. Like, and it's like, yeah, they literally no are under a blockade. Before, yeah. They're like, they, oh, yeah. They there was no the country. There's no country called Palestine. I've seen people fucking saying this. Like, you know, like, there was no country called Palestine. Like, Okay, there were a lot of places that weren't called a specific name, but like had people living on them. Yeah, like it's their land. Palestine was called Palestine. Uh, yes, yes, uh, it actually was uh, never called uh, Israel. Um, right. Well, and, you know, I guess like an ancient history, maybe. Uh, it, it, like, but you know, it's certainly the state of Israel. Uh, definitely, like uh, post dates, like the that area being known as Palestine, like you know, British Mandatory Palestine. That's what yeah. they called it. They didn't yeah. call it British Mandatory Israel. Exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah, like you know, so it, it, it's just once you start going down the list, you can start to uh, break through some of that. And uh, and I feel like that's been, I don't know, productive, like talking to people who are kind of like, oh, I'm not so sure about that and like kind of breaking it down. Um, I was just talking to my friend who like he went on a trip to Israel and he was always very like normie pilled about Israel um mm -hmm. maybe like a year and a half ago he went there and I just saw him we were talking about this and like that trip straight up like kind of radicalized him like towards the Palestinian cause because he saw like oh this is an apartheid state like what yeah. the fuck like this is like a fucked up police state society where these people are like boxed in with checkpoints like harassed regularly by like IDF soldiers like you know, the people in Gaza, like, like, you know, they have no water now, but like they were, their water was severely restricted yeah, before that turned off. Like, yeah, know, like this is like intolerable. And like, you know, uh, my friend went to the West Bank like multiple times over the course of a week. And, you know, he met Muslims, he met Christians and like, you know, he asked all of them, like, who are you more, you know, because some of them like hum they're not huge fans of Hamas, like not everybody is. They're, it's not synonymous with the whole Palestine thing, but he'd ask, like, well, who are you more afraid of? Like, the sort of Islamic radical, you know, terrorist groups or uh, Israel? And, like, without hesitation, every single one of them is like, are you kidding me? Like, no, Israel. Like, the fucking IDF. They're the ones that are, like, killing us constantly. Like, I think I had a history teacher in high school who was just, like, a white, rando, like, white guy who went on a trip with his wife, like, in the 80s and the 90s. And I remember him telling my class that. And it was, like, I mean, I was already like a little bit pilled at that point, but it was surprising to hear it from kind of like a normie, like Catholic school teacher guy. And he's like, it's a fucking apartheid state. It's a fucking ridiculous. Like my wife and I were shocked. Like I couldn't believe how they, tre <laughs> they treat them like dogs. Like it's absolutely fucked up. Like blah, blah, blah. So I think, you know, like some of the Americans that are so like rah, rah about it, like have never been there. And then unfortunately, I think the propaganda efforts of things like birthright, you know, because I've known many mm. American Jews who, you know, uh, who wants to refuse a cool free trip to like a yeah, foreign country, like, right? You always have a home here. Like this uh -huh. is where you belong. Like, no, but I remember is... mutual friends of ours. Like yeah. one of our friends mm -hmm. was sussed out by birthright years ago and he'd yeah, always talk true. about it. And I remember yeah. he said at one point that like after they did all this fun stuff and yeah, yeah blah, blah, blah. They, the they lined too. everybody up and they <laughs> cool. said, uh, all right, if you feel like that you are you identify more as like 
Jewish than American, like, step forward. And, like, at the end of the trip, like, everybody in the group stepped forward except for him. Because he's, like, yeah, I had fun. Like, he wasn't necessarily, like, oh, my God, horrified. But, like, he just was, like, what? Like, I'm an American. Like, you guys are taking it too far. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You guys are tripping. Like, Like, you're getting psyoped, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then, you know, and and I always hear that, like, they're always trying to get everybody to, like, fuck and, like, fall in love on birthright and stuff so that they then, like, Mm -hmm. have a love story and they move to Israel on a kibbutz and get married and have many, many children and, like... And like so many well, of the they have video- like IDF soldiers, like you know, that's a thing, like flirt to, you know, get people to, you know, flirt to convert type stuff. I oh think. my they god. And we know about yeah. the thirst trap TikTok IDF girls. And uh I mean all the way up to like you could argue oh, yeah. Gal Gadot is kind of like the ultimate. Yeah, it's just the ultimate. Um uh, yeah, and uh and and so you know, there's that element as well where they get a very one sided view of Israel and then they come back and they become like a like a lot of people will come back almost a little Honestly, bit I like feel brainwashed. Like birthright is like more of like a propaganda tour than the tour that we went on in North Korea. <laughs> like, you know, it's at least like it on sounds par. like it. Like, it's at, well it's much um, more I mean Nobody, no, like, Westerners yeah, none of them are like planning like, on them to like donate, like, you know, a bunch of money, like, and always vote for pro North Korea politicians. There's no option of that, <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, so, whatever. Yeah, yeah, they just want you to like, is more so, they want to give yeah. you a positive impression of North Korea, and maybe hopefully, like, people will come back and not be frothing like yeah. anti DPRK ideologues, but like. You know, they, they, their expectations are set realistically. But yeah, in Israel, they're like, no, no, no. Like, we can and make Aliyah, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. And then when you look at on CNN and MSNBC and all this shit, like, well, first of all, a lot, so many of the IDF spokespeople, they're all American. Like, you notice that? Yeah. They're American accents. And then also on like TikTok and Instagram and stuff, you have all these kind of like influencer accounts particularly of people that are living like millennials that are like living on kibbutzes right next to Gaza that also mm-hmm. sound like they're from fucking New Jersey. Making these day in the life videos being Yeah, like, like oh my god. I saw this oh, one woman that's like, "Oh my god." And she was like totally American. Like, "Do you hear yeah. that? That is the sound of our brave IDF jets pounding yeah. the terrorists into dust. It is like holy music." And it's like, "Yeah. You're a and fucking meanwhile, American." And saying like, "I'm going to move out of here to yeah, because I can't, you know, uh, I mean, they, deal with I the think... bomb sound. So I'm happy to get it. But it is beautiful to hear. Yeah. And like uh, making those videos, it's like 8 a.m. Wake up and make bread for our amazing IDF soldiers. Like 9 a.m. Gluten Realize free. that we don't. Yeah. We need much more flour so that we can get, you know, more bread to our amazing troops who are defending us. all. It's like. It creeps me out me? how like fucking you, uh, American these people are because it's exactly how they would be acting here if like something sort of similar happened that like actually we had done something fucked up but then you know what I mean like like it's well, so culturally translatable to like American culture and it has the same kind of like blinders on to like oh I might actually like our country might be participating in something very horrific and unjust and it's just like, oh, my God, like support the troops. That's you know, the incredibly or- fucked up thing about it, because it's like, yeah, you know, any like me, for instance, you know, I'm Jewish on, on my mom's side. I'm halakhically Jewish. That's yes. Right. Yes. So like somehow I having never been to uh, Israel or to Palestine have like more of a right to like the house of someone whose family has lived there for like five generations than they do because like I'm Jewish 
it's that's the yeah, right of that's return. Like what? Yeah, like well, that's and Palestinians. Uh, that's their idea, like do... birthright citizenship. But they right. are denied the right of return is the right to return to the homes people were evicted from during the Nakba, which they're denied. Right? Okay. Whereas, yeah. So yeah. they don't have the right to go back to the um, land. Their family has lived on for maybe centuries, but you can just pop in as like an American because you're yeah half Any, uh, right. You can claim it because you're yeah you're Jewish basically. Do they let people that are not halak like Mishlings that are ha- have like a Jewish dad? Are they allowed? I. Uh, I think that it's like uh, vacillated like over time. I think that they have had like varying uh, rules. Like uh, I'd have to look it up. I think so. Any Jew who immigrates to Israel as an Ola under the law of return automatically becomes an Israeli citizen. Um, a Jew means a person born to a Jewish mother or someone who is converted to Judaism and does not adhere to another religion. So... Uh, that's what Wikipedia says anyway. It extends to any children or ch- grandchildren of a Jew as well as a spouse of a Jew or the spouse of a child or grandchild of a Jew. A Jew oh, who wow. voluntarily so, converts another religion forfeits their right to claim citizenship. Oh, because I guess I can't. Never mind. Uh, did, your, you conv- did your mom convert? Oh, no, wait, you converted. No, but I did. <laughs> you converted. Well, you reverted, yeah. but uh, uh, what if you yeah, revert? Well, Does that count? Um, I believe that. Uh, I prefer I prefer the yeah. term convert anyway, but... Um, uh-huh. The uh, yeah, but so I guess, yeah, if you voluntarily convert to another religion, you forfeit your right to claim citizenship under this provision. Uh, that's according to Wikipedia, you know, so I assume that's like more or less accurate. Yeah, 21% of the total Jewish population in Israel is born overseas. Yeah. Oof, I mean, um, and and those are you know the people that you know like really have less of a claim than anybody, um, to be there, and the, they're the ones moving. On to like the most, I guess I would assume the most recently stolen Palestinian land, like right next yeah, to this walled like off radical, like prison city. Settlers coming in, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've known and people I, who like were Americans who like went to go into the IDF. Of course, once like I found out about this, I was like, "Fuck off!" Like, get out of my life. Yeah. But, um, well, no, yeah. I mean, yeah. I I've talked to uh, like Jewish friends who like you know. Like, I think there's many cases of this where, you know, regardless how they feel, they might have like cousins or like in-laws or something like that, you know, like living in Israel. But like, you know, even I guess a lot of Israelis regard the like the hardcore Orthodox and like the settlers as kind of like crazy people, you know, like they're uh, oh, like they're yeah. they're nut jobs and stuff. But it's also it's kind of like, you know, yeah, but like Netanyahu's leading the government and like, you know. I don't know. Like, if you, if you think those guys are crazy, maybe like you should do something to like stop. Not you know. It, it. I don't know. It's kind of. I'm sure there's complex political things there, but given that there was this huge fight over like the judicial reforms and stuff, and yeah. all these like like kind of uh, liberal like Tel Aviv people were protesting. That that puzzled me at the beginning of the year because I'm like, you know, what are what are they really fighting about over there? Because it seems like none of the major pressing issues. Uh, that are really affecting Israeli society, like the Palestinian situation, are like everyone's on the same page about Palestine. That, like, yeah, we should just keep them locked up and, like, you know, heavily policed and bombarded by the IDF and, like, not think about it. Like, even the libs were kind of like that. And maybe this is a like a harsh wake up call that, that that's not a viable way, like, you know, 
It's like if you're a, a kind of a liberal, like South African during the apartheid era, and it's like, oh yeah, you know, like like you're not personally racist, but like, and you think the Rhodesians are are nutters, but like you're also kind of just kicking back and like not, you know, you're not down with like the ANC or like giving equal rights to black people, like you know what I mean? Like it's kind of that vibe. So I don't, I I think it, like you said, there's not, it doesn't seem to be like a real left like decades ago it seemed like i mean they did have a labor party but i feel like when's the last time the labor party was in power in israel like 20 30 years like you know and even then it was like not a super left-wing labor party i mean you know it's a pretty right-wing country that is i think um despite it's like historical connection to the soviet union and of course the soviet union i think like you know co-signed uh israel's creation which i think it later regretted because then it became pretty pro-palestinian later on you know but uh but i think they've been a very anti-communist country you know obviously very anti-pan-arab any kind of like progressive movement of the 20th century and now into the 21st like israel can be counted on much like the other offspring of you know american neocolonialism liberia is like an outpost of american interests in a region where a lot of other people have interests and like not everybody's, you know, immediately on our side. But there's always this like little country founded by settlers that kind of impose themselves as first class citizens on the rest of the population that was already living there where they will, um, you know, stand the United States and always stick with them. But in the case of like, I mean, Israel got a much better deal than Liberia at the end of the day. I don't think you're going to see a weird like George Bush like turning the back on, you know, Israel and let them get destroyed, you know, for mysterious reasons, kind of thing like you did with Liberia. No, um, I mean, the geopolitical value of Israel. I mean, Joe Biden has that, uh, you know, line where he says, like, uh, if Israel didn't exist, United States would have to invent Israel exactly. because that's how valuable it is. You know, it's the, the, the geopolitical advantage that it provides. So and that's uh, where we the, the, we've been benefiting off of that. And then the Israelis have been betting and fit, benefiting off our largesse for, you know, decades now. We have this like sim, like sick symbiotic relationship, which is, I feel like, you know, I don't know, morally deleterious to uh, both societies in a way. Like, I think it, like there's there's just so, so much dark energy that has to go along with supporting this kind of like apartheid system of brutality and the mentalities that need to be sort of formed in the population to keep on you know endorsing that like yes it goes that leads that that's like poisonous for a society you know and like draws it away from whatever its better virtues could be and the same thing with like the hypocrisy of like america going around the world and being this like leader of democracy and all this bullshit you know in addition to all the other fucked up things we do like it's always been one of the most glaring contradictions is like we support israel doing whatever it wants and uh you know it's like the the biggest maybe not the there's probably other uh well it might be the last you know really big formal like apartheid state that we just like full-throatedly support you know even after the cold war the only one that Um, comes to mind uh like certainly it's the most glaring example of like a truly apart and what's happening now is completely unconscionable and is horrifying and it's just completely soul freezing 
to see everyone just look away and let mm-hmm. it happen. Yeah. Yeah. You or know. post TikToks about like do like Amy Schumer shit like yeah or even cheer it on and like somehow have this like people are so there people are incredibly mk'd in the united states where they literally like and i think i mean it it attests to uh netanyahu's point where the day of 9-11 he said that uh, it was quote uh very good uh uh, i mean uh not good but (laughs) what he uh meant was that it would create you know sympathy and understanding of the, the problem of terrorism and i think that uh, that is, is part of it where people like, you know, just imagine like a, a Muslim in, in a balaclava and then like they'll just their brains just deactivate like, you know, they have their like Manchurian candidate trigger and it makes them just imagine that like anything is possible, like any like incredible like uh, atrocity or insane, like a uh, lurid bizarre like a story without any kind of uh substantiation must be true uh and 40 beheaded babies the 40 bit well you know and i'm not saying that like you know uh there aren't people in uh hamas who are sociopaths who like you know are probably like traumatized you know not to say that it certainly explains it you know it doesn't necessarily uh excuse you know killing uh civilians like obviously i i oppose that but like the yeah like some of the stuff that was is just being like repeated ad nauseum without any actual proof of, of any of it uh and literally just doesn't even make practical sense yeah like like uh, no it it doesn't really make sense like like it's it's designed to kind of break your brain with like oh my god that's so sick and like random and like what the fuck like that you just like have to support whoever's like fighting back against that you know and uh yeah the 80s and 90s action that like they were systematically going around like slitting babies throats you know which definitely like Again, I definitely don't think that, like, uh, Hamas is, like, I mean, they might be more moral than the IDF, but they're certainly, you know, they're, uh, I wouldn't claim for them what the IDF claims for itself, which is, uh, you know, the most moral military in the world. Um, (laughs) You know, it's based on the only way that they can, uh, can, uh, you know, try to justify what their revenge has been is Mm -hmm. by, like, sort of uh, using this. Uh, idea that it was like it was personal you know like that they were like you know oh yeah like we killed like 500 babies you know at a distance but they actually went up to the babies and slit their throats on purpose Mm -hmm. because that's how much they hate jews and like you know they're like uh the itamar attack and things like that like that stuff did happen so i'm not saying that there aren't like depraved people who you know are totally desensitized and traumatized after seeing babies like being killed constantly and living in total immiseration in gaza who would be capable of something like that but to say that this is like something that systematically happened like it's obviously like designed to make it somehow proportional to then turn around and kill you know uh, four thousand babies, or pregnant they definitely women. killed more babies now. You know? Yeah, no doubt about it. And certainly prior to that, so it's yeah. And like uh, the fact is that like this is being like as deliberate strategy. When you know, uh, while I wouldn't dispute that uh, children were killed and that there might even have been children killed 
deliberately i doubt this was like a systematic uh plan you know and this is yeah there were also like civilian kind of vigilantes that that when they broke the fence down a lot of people kind of went in and there might have been some kind of anarchic like massacres as well again not ruling out that like civilians were definitely killed but like there is a larger context here and you know it didn't just start on october 7th and like yeah it's like we really want to talk about baby killing um that's been going on for quite some time and it's like pretty stacked on one side and uh i think if you ask most of the world they would probably support some kind of like sending like UN peacekeepers into like, I don't know, peacefully like dismantle the Zionist regime and like keep everyone from slaughtering each other for a while to like establish something, you know what I mean? Like in an ideal world, but of course with the US that's never going to happen and the EU, like, you know, they would never consent to anything remotely like that happening. So you're left with this like hyper aggressive military that definitely takes a thrill out of slaughtering civilians as like a matter of policy and the u.s backing them up so it's uh it's very fucked up but we'll uh we'll, we'll circle back i think uh depending on how everything goes and like <laughs> you know Oof. if there's uh specifically a kind of ang- like a deep dive angle that uh we could illuminate but again yeah, I'd want to do something right that now. was, you know, I mean, obviously, like, there's a lot of important history there, but yeah, it would be interesting to see, like, if there's uh, a particular story that would be interesting to tell, um, you know, but yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a raw, dark subject. I, yeah, it's very, it's very dispiriting. It's very... Uh, I mean, it's infuriating. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it's awful. Just awful. And yeah, everyone pray for Palestine because, yeah. this round for the some 300 
thousand troops who are amassed along the border get ready to go in. That's right. That's right. And um, uh, I say, Gaza is an incredibly densely populated area. Uh, uh, Hamas has had years to keep building it up. Uh, it's one, this is one of the most dangerous places on earth. Um, I just want to make it really clear: the the Israelis, as an IDF soldier, as a veteran of the IDF, we don't have an issue with the Palestinians, and we want to do what we can to get Hamas away from them. And so we're going to use as much selectivity. The difference with the footage that you were showing is that we're not going to indiscriminately hurt anybody. However, lines have been crossed and decisions have been made. Uh, leadership will roll. Intelligence heads will be gone. We don't want to focusing on that right now. But this is the most significant hostage siege in the history of modern warfare. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. Again, I mean, the hostages. If is it necessary for there to be surgical operations to try to find and free those hostages prior to any kind of more uh, large-scale? Invasion yes. of the idea. Yes, it is. It is. It is critical to continue to soften as much of the Hamas infrastructure within Khan Yunus, within Rafah, within Gaza City, and all of the small uh, uh, villages in between, in order to reduce risk to those larger infantry units that are going to move into Gaza. All right. Well, we came here to do some Q and A questions. Um, yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe let's. Uh, yeah, we're at one hour. I think it's you know. As good yeah. A time okay. As that's any. about as long as it usually takes us to start. So <laughs> let's, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Little uh, longer than today, but uh, yeah. Why don't I read the first one, which is uh, from frequent Grotto Head, Doug Person zero five. Um, this is from December 9th, twenty twenty one. Wow. Uh, A a different era, really. (laughs) Um, But he asks, what if something was new under the sun? Um, Interesting. What if something was new under the sun? I don't know. I mean, what if? I mean, I think in a way everything is kind of new under the sun in the same to the same extent that it is that there ain't nothing new under the sun. Um, You know, I think that it's important to it's important when talking about history not to generalize things and not to suggest that everything is always the same or following certain cycles and uh, that to conflate any two given events or phenomena so that's an important counterbalance i think but also like there certainly is uh obviously there's there's the fact that like a lot of uh what happens does have have precedent um, in some way, even the things that appear to be like truly novel uh, and uh, truly shockingly unprecedented, there often is some kind of precedent for them or something that anticipates them. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? History doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Yeah, well, who said that? I want to say Ma- Mark. <laughs> I want to say Marks, but like now I'm. I might be totally misattributing that. I don't think so. 
Um, yeah, it doesn't sound super dialectical, but you know, doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Uh, it's coming up when I Google it. Mark Twain once said that. Okay, Mark Twain, Marx. You can see how I get that mixed. Okay, up. yeah, um, all right, uh-huh. yeah, kind of our Marks our, Mar- our American Marx, uh, Mark Twain. Um, at least in the one-liners, yeah. No, I would generally agree with everything you said. I mean, also, I feel like it's maybe a good opportunity to point out for, you know, any listeners that weren't listening from the very earliest on, you know, from the very earliest episodes, like, what uh, what is this inside joke that we keep referring to when we say there ain't nothing new under the sun? Yeah, it's even true. on it's our In This like House sign. Yeah. It is deep lore. It's mm-hmm. deep SJ lore, but I unfortunately, I can't remember exactly the episode number where we first stumbled upon this gem but i feel like it was maybe our first ufo i believe that episode? it was the giants episode where we, we were talking about the two mics we were talking about the two mics yeah yeah i think because i want to say that was the first time we talked about the two mics because weren't they the ones talking about the giants a little bit no 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 they don't really get into giants discourse fully so i feel like it actually there was somebody similar to the two mics that i think we were uh, I cut the the keep your eyes on the skies that yeah. guy, uh, but that's yeah. not that wasn't the two mics. He though. wasn't that was, the two mics. I no, thought he was no. a guest on the two mics. Uh, for those who don't know, the two mics podcast kind of came out in like I arguably the same wave as SJ did in terms of like the the class of 2020 in terms of uh, you know podcasts that debuted around the same time as us. And I was always a little fascinated with it because it is hosted by two mics two guys named Mike, uh, and one of them is former uh, CIA station chief uh, and analyst Mike Scheuer, who ran the Alex station before 9-11. And I think at, at this point, he's been dramatized in several movies and miniseries. But uh, mm-hmm. at this point, had become like a very strange, like paleoconservative crank and was hosting a podcast with his buddy, Colonel Mike, who never gives his last name and like makes weird references all the time to like doing covert ops in like central and south america in the 80s so mm-hmm. you know uh the, the film do with that what you will but i mean it was weird where it's like this guy who is a a real character in the broader narrative around 9-11 and osama bin laden and everything but now he's like an old boomer at like a coffee shop with like his other old retired boomer like special ops killer friend just sort of like being pissed and like they were really into QAnon stuff I think back when they started and now Mm. they've kind of they've migrated a a little bit I was also really interested in Mike Scheuer because he eventually married Alfreda Bukowski who I think was the CIA analyst at Alex Station who the uh, Jessica Chastain character in Zero Dark Thirty that great CIA propaganda movie was was kind of based on but then if you look at other work people have done, like she actually played like a really sus role in like not sharing information with the FBI like before 9-11. Like there's weird. And then she became the head of like the global jihad unit for like the CIA during Obama. And it's like it's, it's like, wait, he's married to her who like went on. He kind of left the CIA and like retired and became kind of an oddball but like she was very high up and it's like what are their dinner conversations like like i can only fucking Hmm. imagine but you know and then he's doing this podcast like what does she think about his podcast where he's just like going off about like random bullshit and i think specifically i i I don't know the context in which it came up but i feel like this is like our first or second ufo kind of fake disclosure kind of episode they were talking um 
like Colonel Mike was saying, like I was just, you know, reading something or watching a fucking YouTube video about how he's like, well, you see, like Colonel Mike, like so back, I was reading about the Hegelian dialectic, and that's yeah. when when you get uh, the, the communists, the Marxists, they they yeah. start funding Antifa. And, and radical groups to do terrorist attacks, and then that gets all the, the regular people to give away their freedoms. Like, he gave this ridiculous kind of, yeah, like, ahistorical, exactly. like, thing. And then at the end of this, like, long, insane monologue, like, like do- Colonel Mike just goes, wow, Dr. Mike, ain't nothing new under the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like the Hegelian dialectic. Ain't the Hegelian dialectic ain't yeah, nothing I, new under the sun, Dr. Mike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it just um, stuck with us. So uh, we started saying I like... Really, yeah, I think it was much earlier than our first UFO, like this fake disclosure episode. I feel like it really was the Giants one, but it might not have been about Giants. Uh, yeah, I'm not Maybe. sure. But I think Giants was, was number 10 or 11. Uh, our first really Alwara episode on Patreon, yeah, actually. Yeah, really early on. But, um, uh, a good one, though. A good one, the Giants Yes, app. for sure. Um, for sure. But that's where... And then we kind of invoke it every time uh, there's an opportunity, basically, to say it. But <laughs> yeah. I guess we're kind of doing an irony because we're not seriously asserting that there ain't nothing new under the sun, even though there is a well, grain of truth to that. I think, like you said... Nothing is entirely new under the sun. Exactly. Nothing is entirely exactly. new under the sun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but I think we also sometimes, maybe sometimes we invoke that to make fun of like lazy historical analogies that like are too yeah, like direct well. the way that yeah. uh, Doctor Mike was doing, and when people react like, "Wow, yeah, exactly, ain't nothing new under the sun." Like it's exactly yeah. like it was, you know, uh, thousands of years ago or something like yeah. that. Clearly, yeah. there there are new things under the sun and uh but i think it, it's kind of dialectical right like i think as, as mark the hegelian said, dialectic oh yeah the hegelian uh, dialectic yeah. which is yeah, also exactly. yeah it's like it's when antifa funds like a black lives matter and like islamic extreme it's like literally like none of these things existed when hegel <laughs> was around like yeah. okay like um, and it's not even i get he's repeating a kind of alex jones thing uh a little bit where I saw a clip going yeah, around was where the other side of the Hegelian dialectic was it like the establishment Democrats like you know what was one or the side rhinos, Antifa was the, the other side the or rhinos, was it the rhinos I, I don't know it, it yeah maybe yeah because yeah, they hate the rhinos and I feel um, like it was kind of like a strategy of tension thing that they were like that's what they were really talking about they were talking about like Gladio but instead they're like oh this is when the globalists do the Hegelian dialectic to like put communists in power it was like <laughs> yeah or like everyone gets so scared of like BLM that they have to like vote for Joe Biden for some reason I don't get yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah I don't kind of remember. like yeah. it, it was some stupid um, thing like that and um the Hegelian dialectic yeah exactly you yeah. got the thesis you got the antithesis and then you got the synthesis you yeah. got the Alfhaven got the Alfhaven <laughs> the Alfhaven yeah. Dr. Yeah. Mike yeah I think uh it, it's funny because there was just an old video like right after 9-11 of Alex Jones invoking the Hegelian dialectic talking about uh, kind of Israel and Palestine and how you know, Israel, like in a way that was kind of like, you know, somewhat critical of Israel. And everyone's like, wow, Alex Jones, he's actually based like <laughs> and stuff. And just just so people know, uh, this is tangential. But, you know, I was uh, driving from San Francisco, from the Bay Area back to L.A. last week. I decided to check in on our old friend, A.J., another 
I think, reference since episode one on this show. Oh, and wow. uh, just see what he was saying about it. And it was the weirdest thing. First of all, like I don't know if he has multiple young guys that fill in for him. But I feel like I tuned into the one that was like on, I think, Monday, like right on like the 9th or the 10th. And this young dude, I don't know if it was Harrison Smith or not. I'd have to go back and check. But whoever this fucker was, he was like launching like uh, he he was Zio Shillin' folks. Like he was just going off about how Palestinians are like uh, retarded because they practice cousin marriage and therefore they're not smart enough uh, to like peaceably resolve conflicts. So that's why they do terrorism. And Israel's basically justified in doing whatever it is. This is like the replacement yeah. host for Alex Jones. Then yeah. it's like, then I went back and like Alex Jones was doing a kind of what he typically does, like right after the attack. And this is on the Sunday show where he's like, look, like, you know, the, the globalists are there, uh, they're behind all of it. Like, you know, <laughs> I've talked to Mossad people. There was a stand down order, like, you know, and shit like that, which a lot of people are saying, by the way. Like, I'm not discounting that aspect. It's very weird that none of the shit worked. Like, one, I don't know. It's very I mean, strange. I could like, see, like, I mean, there are definitely cases of, of Netanyahu being like, oh, you know, we want them to do an attack that will let us, like, go in, you know, like, he definitely. Uh, I could see it being like, as far as I would go, it would be like kind of a lie hop type of thing that like went out of control. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that, that was bigger than you know yeah. they thought it yeah. would be. And I mean, Hamas um, themselves have said that it the operation blew up into a bigger, a much bigger thing than they had initially sort of planned on it being, and like yeah. it was almost more successful than they had planned for. And maybe they thought, oh, they're going to do a little incursion attack and then we'll wipe them out and then people will be scared for a little bit and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't anticipate that, like, when they actually got into confrontation with IDF soldiers that, like, they would lose and, like, the Hamas mm -hmm. soldiers would, like, outfight them or they would run away or something like that. So I think, and it would take days to sort of, you know, uh, take all of them out or whatever, take back their territory. So I think, like, it, it seems like, yeah, the, the kind of, yeah, the lie hop feels a little bit more kind of um, plausible because, yeah, they would. And you could see how Netanyahu could derive some benefit, but also that maybe it blew up bigger than this thing yeah, kind of I like spun so. out of control mm -hmm. a little bit and ended up like uh, being a much more of like an existential assault that uh, sent the country into like 9-11 mode. And I don't know. I don't know. But also, okay. Getting back to Alex Jones real quick. Um, then a few days later, I listened to, I think it was Harrison Smith on the first hour. And he's talking about like how Israel's like a fascist state and like they've been oppressing the Palestinians for years. And like the whole first hour, he's being like very oddly pro-Palestinian, like generally speaking. But then Alex Jones comes on the second hour and he starts ranting. It's really the worst thing about this conflict is that it's affecting him. I have been supportive of Israel for many years. When I found out what they do, shooting little Palestinian children in the genitalia and laughing, it's on video. Little Palestinian, little 10 year olds walk around throwing rocks at tanks, and guys stop a half mile away and blow their testicles off. They call them Goya, they call them dogs, they call them Arabs, cattle. And the Arab, corrupt Arab governments that are in league with this government, it's really a sick Hegelian dialectic, order out of chaos. A lot of the wars, I mean, a lot of the stuff happening in the Middle East is because of the Israeli lobby, one of the most powerful in the United States. 
and then they brag about this. You know, it's called a conspiracy theory here in the U.S. They and the ADL trending. No, we're not like the ADL. We don't want to ban people and arrest people. But your bizarre behavior is causing this. Let us control our countries and stop them coming here. Don't have the ADL attack me. Don't you point your finger at me trying to survive and live and say I'm the bad person. I reject that. I'm sick of you. Opening our damn borders up to bring all these people in and brainwash them against us because I'm white. I'm not a person that's in identity politics, but you've made it that way. Everywhere it's bad because I'm white. Everywhere it's bad because I'm Christian. Everywhere I don't deserve to have a job because of what color I am. Everywhere I'm a bad Voted person. No. Muslims, you're doubling your numbers every 30 years. You're taking over. On average, you're the biggest welfare recipients in every country. You come milk the system. You have six kids, and you come to my country, and you tell me I'm bad because of what color I am, or I'm a Christian. Leave me alone. Get off my yard. It's the same thing for the ADL, and the same thing for the Simon Wiesenthal Paul Center, all you guys. You're discredited your jokes. Any real Nazi, you support them. Like the one, an actual SS officer that actually rounded up and killed Jews in mass, getting standing ovations a few weeks ago. And has he been arrested? Has he been hauled back to Israel? No. They only haul back Alzheimer patients because they can't defend themselves. When it's a real Nazi, you don't grab them because that'd be a little embarrassing for the U.S. and Canadian government, wouldn't it? And the Vatican and the rat lines. I know way too much. And I will not sit here and be the villain to the Muslims or the villain to the leftist Jews or the villain to Black Lives Matter or the villain to anybody else. I've done nothing to any of you. I just want to live my life and be productive and be a good person. Leave me alone and leave my kids alone. And stop trying to chop their balls off. All right, I'm going to stop. I'm loaded for bear. Uh, basically, yeah. and that you know he's uh, and he he's pissed off at these left wing Jews that are always you know saying I'm an anti semite I always stood behind Israel and you know shit like that <laughs> and like then he talks about how like the Muslims the Muslims are at the bottom of his list in terms of people he doesn't like because they're uh, always trying to get him on his knees to accept Allah. Um, <laughs> like I'm not getting on my knees and accepting Allah. Okay, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You know, he's like he respects at least the Jews. Don't try to convert him into his own re- their own religion. You know, they have their own thing going on. He can respect uh, that. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so he and he was coming down more on the side. I mean, he'd always be like, I'm not defending Israel. I'm not defending Israel. You know, but like he kind of was. And so I don't know what's going on in Infowars. I mean. You know, it, it's worth reminding for people that want to jump on and be like, Alex Jones is based. He's like, you know, he said some things sympathetic to Palestine in 2001. Uh, he has more of a reputation, I feel like, you know, from many quarters of like being accused of being a low key kind of like, like down with Zionism and like shilling for Israel at, uh, from time to time. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, like I he sort of leaves them out of his grand conspiracy equation and tends to not, which at a certain point, like to a certain degree, you're like, okay, well it's good that he's not like a raving anti-Semite, like a lot of other right-wing conspiracy theorists, but it, but then it's like, the only reason he's not is because like he loves Israel, you know, which is like the case with a lot of American right wing people, right? Yeah. Um it's like they're 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 very careful to not be anti Semitic and and like a big part of that is really because like 
they love Israel and like they'll be racist towards other groups, you know, and and very much towards Muslims. But you and know, Alex Jones kind of laid it out there. It's not like the case that you can't be you can't support Israel uh, while being anti-Semitic. You know, we don't want to conflate these two things because there's a lot of people who are anti-Semitic and support Israel. Oh yeah, uh, in yeah, fact, exactly. Yeah, and there's actually kind of a, uh, a symbiotic relationship between Zionism and anti-Semitism in a way. I know you've brought like, this up before yeah. because, like, the Zionist uh, sort of you know state needs there to be the more anti-Semitism around the world, like, kind of the better because then more people are going to move to Israel and they need more people to well, come in and, the, and settle that's it. That's part of the logic, right? That's part of the the justification for its existence, right? So it's like yeah. a rhetorical thing where it's like you know the the more anti-Semitism is, there's the more reason why like Israel must exist to protect Jews uh, from you know uh, what might happen to them if they didn't have their own state. So there definitely is that kind of, and certainly there, like I mean, there's plenty of people that we've seen over the course of this week who like are definitely anti-Semitic who still hate Muslims more uh, and you know uh, value Palestinian lives less yeah 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 and definitely people that like traffic and kind of casual anti-semitism like I think uh, I think the sort of like BAP types like red scare types kind of fit into that category but mm-hmm. they also like love Zionism and so yeah. it's like I mean they literally Most it's not Hindu even some fascists I would suggest like, like I mean these are people that like love like SS imagery and all that kind of shit and so which I feel like is inherently anti-Semitic, like, you know, yeah. given the historical context. I mean, context Bap of it. loves Hitler, like straight up, you know. And yeah. a lot of like and a lot of these people are just Holocaust deniers yeah. and yet or like Israel has the moral high ground here. It's like well, the Holocaust didn't happen. What mm-hmm. possible and I'm not saying that I let me be very clear, because I was accused of my own mother of denying the Holocaust uh over uh the you know just simply saying that Israel shouldn't kill uh, a million people. Let me be emphatically clear that the Holocaust is uh, extensively documented, one of the, the most do- well-documented genocide history. Uh, you know, that by no means would I ever deny it. But uh, oh, it ha- there are it definitely there happened. are straight up Holocaust deniers who are supporting Israel. So it's or like, you know Holocaust revisionists like uh, Bibi Netanyahu, who's been going around saying that the Muslims in Palestine convinced Hitler to do the Holocaust. <laughs> like oh, literally yeah, i've seen that. the speech yeah. of that like he literally was saying that, yeah, like that it was oh yeah the, the grand mufti uh told you know he's like oh should i just kick out all the jews and he's like oh no because then they're all gonna come here and then hitler's like well what should i do with them and he's like burn them and it's like okay that conversation literally did not fucking happen like no, are you kidding me like that's literally how hitler got the idea to like do that shut the fuck up like that is holocaust revisionism um, inviting a Ukrainian SS war criminal to the Canadian Parliament and applauding him is Holocaust celebration, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, like it's beyond revisionism. It's like literally celebrating people who did, who literally did the Holocaust. And um, I mean, th- there's other things we can get. I mean, you know, I just talked in the latest Demon Forces about how like all these Nazi like SS like big, you know big shots that got saved by the CIA after the war, you know, people like Otto Skorzeny, like, ended up in Israel training the Mossad. And, you know, also training Arabs, too. But, like, there definitely was a breakdown. I think we talked about it in our Martin Borman episode also, about how he did a lot of, like, allegedly did a lot of business with, like, Jewish businessmen in, like, South America. And, like, that, uh, 
I've seen a thing going around. Th- this might be an interesting topic for an episode um, about ha- uh, Hannah Arendt and her getting kicked out of Israel during the Eichmann trial because she was writing things about how uh, th- there was a, like a relationship between like the Israeli government and Eichmann, like in the years when he was in exile, like they had a covert relationship, and that was part of the reason why they wanted to bring him back to Israel so much is because they kind of like excise that from the record and then she started talking about it and then they're like shut the fuck up like you know I know we, we've kind of bagged on uh, Arendt before in a lot of ways but that might be one case where you know she was really onto something and uh and so there's that kind of dark like e- even before World War II like certain Zionist groups and like I want to say definitively because I have to really go back and like I want to kind of triple check everything because topics like these things get thrown around a lot. But it does seem that to some extent there was like, I mean, there was maybe an alignment of interest of the Zionists want all the Jews to move to Palestine. The Nazis want to get rid of all the Jews. Like there, there's a possible alignment of, uh, yeah. of interest there that was like uh, explored to some extent. Obviously, it didn't end up going down that way like they opted for basically death camps and death squads and things like that but there was a kind of hey maybe there's a mutually beneficial solution to all this because like what we really want and then of course one of like the tragic ironies is like the holocaust itself like leads to the creation of israel which is of course like casts a whole pall over it emotionally complicates like a lot but yeah it would be like unfair uh, to associate like all Zionism whole cloth with uh, Nazism, even though like uh, the way that Zionism has uh, panned out in history is entirely perfidious and uh, deserving of scorn. But uh, certainly, you're right that there are like instances of alignment it, to the, whatever extent one could like blame the Arab, like you know, make all Arabs or all Palestinians somehow complicit in the Holocaust in order to justify what's happening to them now. You could definitely. Like, you know, it, it would be, you know, by the same token, you could make associations between Zionism and uh, and Nazis for sure. Or just kind um, of European know, supremacism, like more broadly or kind of like there ethno-fascism. There definitely were attempts to like get, you know, to form alliances with the Nazis against the British, you know, uh, like uh, Zionist militias definitely made overtures in that direction for sure. Um, yeah. And uh, a lot of the time, like... Uh, you know, the Nazis were more sympathetic to the Jews who wanted to leave for obvious reasons than they were to those that wanted to, to stay. If you, uh, yeah, like, I mean, it's a, a, a well-trodden topic, but for sure, like, the image of the, you know, the Zionist Jews, this, you know, very muscular kind of, you look tough at tough Jew, Israeli yeah, propaganda. yeah, the badass all Jew. Look, they look Aryan, you know, yeah, they have blonde yeah. hair, blue eyes, like, you know, tilling the fields, making the desert bloom, and the, mm-hmm. you know, the weak... Uh, old Jewish masculinity of like the, the Talmudic scholars, like this filthy diaspora, you know, or the creature, the liberal cosmop the international like the rootless cosmopolitan. Yeah, Jew. I exactly. think that's what I see today with right wingers is they still kind of hate that type of Jewish person, but they love the muscular badass like Chad ethno state like Israeli Jews because like that. It, it appeals to them yeah, kind of like much, ideologically like yeah, and just just like uh is uh, you know right-wing israelis they hate diaspora jews um, okay yeah and, you know, so those yeah, who this... won't align themselves yeah um in fact uh or the self-hating uh I've, i heard that thrown around a lot i mean like there are those like zionist accounts that 
even like go after like the sort of dirtbag leftists all the time, but like in the most psychotic way possible of of just like like you just love like his you self hating Jew like you love like when Israeli babies die like I mean they're like they hate them because like they're critical of like Israel you know and mm-hmm. and I think the fact that they're like American Jews who like you know don't support Israel is like extra infuriating and like despicable and like like there there is definitely that uh dialectic going on as well yeah i mean if you look at someone like you know historically speaking like max nordau you can definitely see like you know the overlap and some of these tendencies right i think uh you know he was the innovator of the concept of degenerate art um or definitely a major figure in shaping the concept of degenerate art Oh, okay. um and uh yeah which later you know was instrumentalized by uh the the nazis, the nazis. yeah Interesting. um yeah i think yeah as uh, people have pointed this out uh recently you know just just googling around but i remember reading some of his uh work and it definitely has that uh that tendency and there are a couple of like a uh, late 19th early 20th century uh, zionist figures who sort of traffic and that so there's certainly like a uh a strain there and i mean if you really like i i mean this is something that i would want to research more deeply but someone uh i was talking with this with some friends and they're talking about you know uh the christian support for zionism the evangelical christian support for zionism Mm -hmm. and you know because obviously there's like sort of a a, an apocalyptic or or millenarian hope attached to it um Mm -hmm. and uh, what occurred to me, like, uh, as we were talking about this was that, uh, you know, I'm not, again, I'd like to do more, more research into this, but I, I have a, I have a strong feeling that like the very idea of like a Jewish state in Israel may, I'm not certain, but it, it, it may actually like, of like, you know, creating a new state, like in, you know, in, in modernity, you mm-hmm. know, like that, that may very well originate in, uh, sort of, uh, Protestant Christianity. Um, Interesting. Or I, I would, I would, I would not be surprised if, like, in evangelical Christianity, that's sort of where the first, uh, you know, stirrings of this started to 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 kick up. Um, because of its reference in Revelation, that yeah, right? or at least at, at least like that, this has always been a very a strong presence that's always uh, kind of had a, a shaping effect on. Um, you know, uh, Jewish Zionism. Interesting. Uh, whatever. Yeah. You know, um, that, yeah. That would be very interesting to look more into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that was, a, uh, that was yeah. an interesting answer to Doug Did you person. finish your anecdote about Alex Jones? Um, uh, th- that was pretty much it. That, that like, he's, it, like, there's, like, a kind of schizophrenia going on at InfoWars headquarters <laughs> where... Like so, it, it unless it would be even weirder if the same guy was Harrison Smith talking a bunch of racist stuff about Palestinian IQ, and then the, like two days later is like uh like basically free Palestine, like Israel is a police state, they're aligned with the globalists, like they they gave everybody the poison shots, you know, it's like it's weird. And then Alex Jones is kind of like really playing both sides, but also like really shitting on Muslims, like he's mm-hmm. trying to play it like he's he's just balanced and he doesn't like Netanyahu and you know, the Palestinians are like bad things happen to them, but he just doesn't like these Muslims, you know, like, cause he said they're in a weird alliance with the radical left 
to take over the world. Um, basically, yeah. he basically called out Subliminal well, Jihad uh, yeah, as what? like the uh, vanguard uh, of like the 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 Soros globalist plot, uh, where like BLM and Antifa unite with like Hamas and Iran or something, but it's all part of the globalist game, you know, basically. Mm, yeah. That's exactly. kind of what he's going. And there's a later question that'll kind of get into this um, with libertarian sort of conspiracy cosmology, but that's kind of where it's at now. So I'd say like, hold your horses on like celebrating, you know, uh, pro resistance, Alex Jones for his, you know, brave truth telling propaganda. He's kind of, He's simping a little bit. He he seems a little afraid to like really go for, you know, whatever. Um, and he, he keeps referencing all of his like close contacts and like, you know, former IDF Mossad, like blah, blah, blah. So it's like, okay, you have a lot of Mossad friends. All right. Interesting. But yeah. So yeah. That's, In a way, uh, this conversation does definitely pertain to the idea of uh, whether there's anything new under the sun. Because true, in a way, true. like some of these ideas, like go back to the the Hebrew Bible, um, but uh, a lot of them also, like in the contemporary context, can't be understood only through like you know the same conceptual repertoire that you would use to understand them in that context. Um, sure. But, so mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. Dead babies can't take care of 
All right. Do you want to move on to number two here? Sure. That's a fun one. Uh, let me read it. Uh, oof. Okay. Um, oh, wait. This is not the right Q&A. Sorry. Uh, okay. Scrolling up. Uh, what do you all make of... Oh, sorry. Not Fox Mulder asks, what do you all make of Alex, Alice Cooper? I feel like there's a lot to unpack with the typical provocative lyrics about dead babies and necrophilia, their name coming from a Ouija board, uh, the Alice reference, etc. Uh, interested in your opinions. I'm a fan, but I recently was reminded that their first records were with Zappa, who seemed insistent on releasing their albums but was noticeably absent from the sessions. First record was essentially a recorded rehearsal, but Zappa said, record's done after two hours in the studio. Got the vibe that Zappa wanted to release their stuff no matter how polished or good it was. With weird scenes in mind, I just find the start of Alice Cooper and eventual success as shock rockers possibly sus. I don't, personally, I don't really know too much about Alice Cooper. Uh, I never really was into him. Uh, I don't yeah. know that you were doing a little bit of Alice Cooper research before the episode. So only or... a very little. There's actually, uh, I think, there's a little follow-up here to the question um, that they also add. Also notable is that they were dressed in women's clothes early on by Zappa's sus girl group, the GTOs, and HD Case chimed in. Worth noting that Alice Cooper, like Zappa, was significantly more politically and socially conservative than his peers. Always struck me as odd, considering their persona and outward philosophy. I feel like a mm. couple of like shock type people. Like, isn't Gene Simmons also kind of like a right wing guy? Uh, I think Gene Simmons. Uh, Gene Simmons um, might have pretty strong opinions about uh, Israel. I think. Uh, oh, maybe. Um, I th- actually I could be wrong. I haven't seen him chime in, but I think he is like. If not Israeli, no, I mean, he's, well, he's Jewish. I mean, he could be totally anti-Israel. But I feel like they're, uh, I'm vaguely remembering something kind of like macho right wing kind of in yeah. uh, Kiss's, uh, or at least Gene Simmons's, like, personal life. But he was a supporter of the foreign policy of the George W. Bush administration. There you go. He, During okay. the 2006 Lebanon war, uh, Simmons had a televised in support uh, to an Israeli soldier wounded fighting in Lebanon, calling him his hero. There you uh, go. Yeah. Okay, so um, I was right. America um, is a business and should be run by a businessman. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um, but, I mean, Alice Cooper is a little before. And, um, I mean, yeah, maybe it's somebody to circle back to because there actually was, you know, I was just looking through really his discography, um, not even reading that much. I think he does get a certain mention in weird scenes inside the canyon, but I'm forgetting... He doesn't get a ton of attention, but maybe it was some people, uh, or maybe it was just McGowan talking about Zappa signing him. Um, I'd honestly have to go back and like name search it and see what it was. But I feel like I mean he didn't go in on Alice Cooper the same way he went on on like Zappa or Jim Morrison or some of the other people. Um, but the vibes of Alice Cooper are, um, yeah, interesting. Um, like not Fox Mulder said, like provocative lyrics about dead babies and necrophilia. Um, though it's weird because his two, his biggest hits are like kind of very normy, like seventies cock rock kind of tracks, you know, mm-hmm. like schools out, schools out. Right. Um, was one was of the first big ones with Ozzy. I really don't like, Oh really? No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Alice Cooper. Look at a picture of Alice Cooper. Like you'll, recognize him like he he's got a specific really vibe him. honestly i feel like he looks a lot like ozzy to me too um kind of, i mean he has the makeup the kind of like 
yeah. like black teardrop kind of makeup, yeah. long hair. Um, he is from Detroit, where so much seminal American music, you know, mm-hmm. from from Motown to uh, Glenn Fry to Bob Seger to Detroit techno. You know, it's a big, big important city uh, with American music. But Alice Cooper did come out of there, and I guess maybe was sort of influenced by like MC Five and the Stooges. Just listening to his first two albums, which I guess were produced by Zappa, I was kind of surprised at the more kind of like spooky art rock, uh, psychedelic art rock kind of vibe of his uh, mm-hmm. earliest records. Like, um, let's see. Yeah, I was listening to the one with a black juju on it. Pretty spooky track, which is nine minutes and 11 seconds long. Uh-huh. Um, kind of interesting. Uh, then, yeah, like Pretty f- Pretties for You from 1969. Almost has like a British psychedelic pop kind of, vibe but with a typical kind of like frank zappa-esque like sneering like like kind of you know sarcasm to it um a couple of his first his first album was a live record and so was his third record which is interesting um kind of unusual and let's see easy action in 1970 and killer in 1971 uh which does have the track uh well, let's see, Under My Wheels, uh, Dead Babies, Killer, and this one jumped out at me, Desperado. Alice Cooper had a song called Desperado bef- like a year before the Eagles came out with Desperado. Mm. And I don't know if they like knew each other, but they definitely were kind of in that Laurel Canyon, like Sunset Strip, Troubadour uh, kind of crowd, I think. Uh, Alice Cooper was based in L.A. by, you know, by this point signed by Zappa, and I listened to it. It's, like, not similar to, like, Desperado by the Eagles. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, it's weird. Um, But, like, a lot of, I mean, definitely it's, like, spooky occult kind of themes, like, definitely a kind of leaning into, like, darkness. Like, this is almost some of the first, like, he's almost one of the first goths, you could say, of, like, rock music. Like, you know, like in this, mm-hmm. like, it's kind of a corny, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show kind of way. But, um, and it's not quite heavy metal. Are you going to defend goths right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't characterize uh, Alice Cooper as goth. Um, maybe, like, stylistically dark with the kind of corpse paint, but, you know. I, I would uh, say proto, like, proto-goth. Like, uh, I mean, I think he was considered kind of, he was lumped in with, like, glam rock, really, but uh, yeah, just in the yeah, spookier style like, of it. Right, but uh, spookiness is not goth make, you know. It's goth uh, okay, is all about being okay. post-punk, you know, like Joy Division. True, like I, I know. Proto-goth. Bauhaus, Susie Sue, you know, Sisters of Mercy, no, I get uh, it. I get it. Uh, but I will say that uh, I was I was reminded recently because I went and uh, I watched a movie we talked about in the past, uh, Phantom of the Paradise, right, over yes. at uh, Sus uh, Tel Aviv resident Quentin Tarantino's New Beverly Theater. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is before the conflict started. Um, but they were playing uh, Phantom of the Paradise in 35mm, so I got to watch that again. Really love that movie. It's like one of my favorite De Palma films. And I think anybody who's like into like McGowan weird scene stuff should definitely watch it. Um, because like De Palma is kind of spitting in this movie about like, you know, it's sort of riffing on the Phantom of the Opera, 
but it's really all about the satanic music industry and how it like yeah. steals music from people like the the evil swan who like literally has <laughs> a contract with the devil um yeah. for like eternal youth and power blah 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 but if you'll remember like one of the plot points in that movie is like you know they basically were re they replaced the girl phoenix um mm -hmm. who like uh uh winslow leach like the protagonist like wants her to sing his cantata right his faust yeah. cantata and uh swan the evil swan you know basically is like of course but then he <laughs> decides he needs to like switch her out with basically something more evil and like sick and so there's that scene where he's just like going around in a circle to like all the different groups singing the cantata in like a completely different genre and then there's beef like the kind of shitty guitar slinging you know yeah. guy who's actually like an effeminate gay man who's just putting on like a persona of being like a a beefed out like shock rocker like super masculine like it's kind of a funny like detail of the movie that uh, i wonder what like de palma was kind of getting at with that but um but then he ends up becoming this like shock rock kind of like bleh, like snakes and leather and like you know face paint kind of guy who's doing like this heavy metal hard rock like really shitty version of the cantata and mm -hmm. i mean this movie came out in 1974 so alice cooper was already like a couple years into being sort of famous but i mean i think the movie is directly riffing on alice cooper more than anybody else and mm -hmm. you know and, and you know by having the character in that position it's sort of implying that like this style of music is almost like exactly what satan like asks for you know from his record producer from his record moguls like give me the shittiest like low vibrational like loud kind of shock rock crap like ever with like no beauty in it that's just all kind of like camp and fake and whatever and uh and so yeah, i wonder if like de palma feels that way about alice cooper basically i mean he shits on a lot of people like he kind of shits on the beach boys and like you know that uh uh, like a, a few different kind of styles of music but mm -hmm. he definitely takes satirical aim because that's the type of music that like when like winslow leach like the phantom finds out about it, he's like ah like he yeah. gets like enraged and then like murder sorry spoiler alert uh murders beef like in well, the middle of his performance the movie at length on that's true episode. that's yeah, true so. so that just that put alice cooper a little bit back in my mind recently because i'm like oh yeah like that's that is definitely it was still before, you know, 74, maybe Black Sabbath was kind of on the rise at that point. But we actually, a few people have told me we should, like, look into Black Sabbath because that might be kind of like an eagle situation where, like, obviously, like, they're ensconced in susness, but, or actually, almost like a CCR thing where they were, like, kind of, like, left wing and, like, I don't know, like, had, like, socially conscious sort of lyrics and then, like, the music industry like got a hold of them and like turned it all into like darkness and then ripped them off and like stole their money and shit like that <laughs> um but you know history of sus yeah. metal one day i still want to do like sus beetles at some point i, I was like thinking about sus beetles too um especially because one of the the later questions on this list but yeah i wish i had more to say about alice cooper like in general i mean the fact that zappa was like obsessed like this is the lore i guess i read it somewhere that like he invited Alice Cooper's band to like audition for him at like seven and then 
he meant 7 p.m., but then, like, Alice Cooper and his band showed up at 7 a.m. and just started, like, playing on his lawn and, like, woke him up to, like, this harsh, like, psychedelic music. And he was so, like, impressed that, like, he immediately signed them for, like, several albums. But then, like, just, I don't know, like, didn't show up to any of the sessions and just said, record's done after two hours. And, like, he just really wanted to release their stuff no matter how polished or good it was. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, is this the kind of situation where, you know, Swan got told, like, ooh, he'll like this, you know, when he, like, saw Alice Cooper just, like, bringing these, like, incredibly spooky kind of, like, bleh, like, dead babies. By I listen to dead babies. It's like it, he has the same pee-pee-poo-poo problem that Frank Zappa has yeah. as, like, a lyricist. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Like, he, it, like, I don't know, like... His big hits, like No More Mr. Nice Guy. I mean, he has some classic songs from like the early 70s that like weirdly are not, those aren't really, really spooky. They're just rebellious like 70s rock. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. No More Mr. Nice Guy schools out for summer. That's just like, yeah, like anarchy. I'm a teenager, you know. But then all the other songs are like, like raped and freezing, uh, (laughs) sick things. I love the dead. (laughs) Um, dead babies you know like black juju billion dollar babies ew i don't want to know what that's about uh i'm 18 is it my body like just like weird you know maybe welcome to my nightmare devil's food the black widow only women bleed what like okay you know i get it you know (laughs) we know we know what the 70s were like in la go to hell i'm the coolest Oh, come on. Like, yeah, Alice Cooper goes to hell, 1976. The coolest. Now, maybe some people are just freaking out and, like, there they go again, the church ladies. They just can't yeah. handle that this guy is, like, signaling. Uh, it's called music. It's called art. It's called expression. It's just like, well, it's not that. It's just it's just lame. It's lame. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's, it's like, lame. why? There's like, no why? To it, you know? Yeah, uh, and, and also, I, I think, uh, I don't know too much, but I'm not apparent- impressed by, like, the uh, l'enfant terrible type approach to you know artistic expression honestly yeah um, he's also you know. like hasn't changed his but aesthetic again, I really i don't know anything about alice cooper honestly so i uh, you know maybe i can't uh, pass a judgment like because literally the only alice cooper song that i can recognize would be like schools out for summer <laughs> yeah <laughs> or schools yeah out or whatever it's called i yeah. i will say this like listening to a few of his early albums like they sat. I, I I kind of like them more than I thought I would because, like you know, schools out for summer. No, Mister Nice Guy. It's just like I don't know, classic Midwestern, like seventies. Like it's like Chicago or something. Like it's just what it. It's fine, but like doesn't really blow me away. And I don't know. Like, but then listening to his early early seventies stuff, it's kind of weird and dark and spooky and strange. I still don't like the vibe overall of, of like him and kind of what he's singing about and all this stuff. It's given me just sus energy, but I'll give it there that like he's kind of like a talented, you know, he and his band were uh, talented, but then it's like, okay, we're going to clothe ourselves in this very specific aesthetic. And, and like, he's pretty much clung to it. I think his entire, career i mean maybe they've they've like as a bit they've like dressed up like i'm i'm seeing a picture of them in like tuxedos like clean shaven like sarcastically 
but mm-hmm. you know in general i feel like he's still like, he's in his like 70s now like he still goes around with like the the black kind of like eye makeup and like the leather goth kind of thing um and like he's just embraced like his brand essentially and i guess people are still about it um while the 80s were referred to by Cooper as his, quote, blackout albums because he cannot remember recording them <laughs> owing to the influence of his new and increasing cocaine addiction. Uh, he had an album in 81 called Special Forces. Sus. Oh, my God. It was produced by the Richard Podolor, best known. Was that? There was a sus guy in Three Dog Night that was, like, very plugged into the weird scenes. But I'm forgetting which one. McGowan talks about it. Um I think somewhat extensively. Um, but I wonder if Richard Podolor was like the, the sus guy. Um, let's see. He was a session musician. Maybe not actually, but, uh, special forces. What was that? Um, eh, skeletons in the closet, vicious rumors. Yeah. I don't know. He doesn't remember recording these cause he was so treat. Maybe he was possessed by some, some force that, you know, was, uh, channeling uh, through him, um, certainly in a way, yes. Um, it would not because, shock yeah, me. Um, was, uh, but I I need to really do more of a a dive. I mean, he's like the resident. He's kind of like Michael Aquino in a way of like he's so outwardly dressed, like I'm a spooky shock, like bleh, like kind of guy that it's it's not. Um, I certainly don't feel like threatened um, by it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, there's something to, uh, be said for spookiness, but I don't know. What, is it really spooky? Uh, is it really, I guess it maybe was shocking at the time. I guess shock rock is also like that, that even more than glam rock, like it, like shock rock was really what he's seen as, uh, pioneering, which a lot of other people adopted the kind of like, yeah, like. I don't know if he ever, you know, bit the head off a bat or something like that, but that type of shit, doing crazy fucked up things on stage, like just to get a reaction. I mean, you could see Marilyn Manson very much yeah. as kind of like a '90s incarnation of Alice Cooper. Definitely, yeah. Like, just, and you know, in his case, maybe the Nazi aspects were a little bit more front and center, but, um, but you know, the question said that he has, he also has sort of like low key right wing politics, which. I mean that the thing about mainstream like metal is yeah like it's hard not to look at like metal the way it developed you know like throughout the 70s and then into the 80s to provide a kind of like soundtrack to like Ronald Reagan's presidency and like just amp up like aggro shit it's like fine you can listen to slayer like i'm not saying you can't listen to slayer but like eh, <laughs> i don't know like think about the lyrics to it like like I don't know, like it, it's like war music, kind of, and at a time when America was like not at war, but was actually going through a lot of like you know social tribulations and things like that, and then this kind of like hyper masculine, like like and often like employing lots of satanic imagery, which kind of left washed it. We've talked about this before about like the fact that that they're going out there with like this like blasphemous and you know s- symbolism and stuff like that um like freaked out like normie like you know conservative christian types 
and they reacted to it, which then led to like more left-leaning people or more, you know, non-conformist type people kind of like rallying around that music because it was yeah or gaining some kind of like yeah attachment to it because it is like yeah provocative and mm -hmm. uh quote unquote subversive in that way but it's not really substantively subversive uh because it's just validating kind of like the you know uh normative shadow desires right like uh, yeah, yeah oh you know yeah it's transgressive to be fascist for instance you know but uh there are obviously as is well known like very prominent fascist tendencies uh in our society that uh are liable to be uh encouraged uh or discouraged you know it's not uh just that this is like harmless fun necessarily um you know so uh yeah yeah uh, yeah exactly there is something to like the if we talked about like the i think in the past like this issue of like you know the irony of it uh that's something that i think has a uh you know there's a there's a porosity to uh this like sort of partition uh this partition of irony where we like sort of set ourselves apart from uh how we're performing or how we're acting or uh what we're uh showing ourselves to be uh, and what we actually become, right? I think that Genesis P. Orridge, who I was surprised to see that we were criticized for basically echoing uh, what had really been, uh, you know, put forward about uh, them in the mainstream press uh, is, is a great example of that. Someone who was like, oh, you know, yeah. I'm playing a game, I'm playing a part, but yep. it substantially became an actuality. And I think that's similar to people who, uh, you know, throw up swastikas is kind of like a you know a shock bit um yeah or I, you know people who uh view themselves as being you know vampires uh drinking blood you know uh, gods like above or morality i mean combine that with drugs and with just the general culture of like a rock and roll it leads yeah. to a kind of uh you know yeah moral uh, depravity uh that uh is uh, negative yeah i would say on the whole um very negative and, yeah well i can see maybe like at some point one could make a case for like its artistic value but now i almost feel like that stuff is i feel like it's almost uh it's almost flattering to call it kitsch you know because it's like not quite kitsch because kitsch almost has a certain charm uh <laughs> it's hackneyed maybe i don't know yeah, uh, it certainly yeah. doesn't like strike me as being groundbreaking. Like, you know, when, for instance, now, like uh, to see like, I don't know, the uh, like in a music video where like the devil appears, you know, and uh, where someone's making a big show about how satanic they are, like in a, a modern music video or in uh, modern music, it's just like, all right, like, is this interesting, you know, or is this just, you know, like uh, it it the purpose of it is a bit more obscure and it does yeah, almost yeah. seem like it's just uh, a signal of allegiance with certain values maybe mistakenly maybe under the idea of like you know opposition to things like i don't know evangelical christianity united states something like that you know absolutely um, yeah but yeah but uh, i think that ultimately like you know we see this whenever like anyone attempts to like articulate what the actual like uh values of satanism would be there uh it always tends to be like something that very 
easily bleeds into uh yeah like fascism like nietzschean uh, fascism basically yeah yeah uh yeah. like even the the uh you know the satanic temple right as oh, like yes. many have we've talked about it at length right uh or has been uh, discussed at length uh you know on the surface they have like these incredibly innocuous like kind of and you always see like well this is what satanists really believe in you know where it's like these kind of very innocuous like principles like never be mean or whatever but like <laughs> really they're like a bunch of like uh you know crypto nazis basically yeah like um, process church church worshiping like crypto nazis um yeah very cool yeah yeah i feel like that's yeah but a lot of normies get kind of like you know and like establishment media outfit there was a few years where they were on quite a tear in terms of pr of like getting normies to be like yeah i support the satanic temple and it's like ugh. like they didn't even realize who they were but they heard they were like they were at a pro-choice rally or something you know and it's like oh yeah like they trolled this republican legislator you know and they did some very effective pr for a while maybe that's kind of worn off but the general tone of like yeah i'm you know i'm against these crazy evangelicals therefore anybody that's like triggering them is cool and like on my side but like putting aside even all the problems with uh, american evangelicalism which uh, are many they're not the only uh, baddies in society or the or the it's not the only baddie philosophy like it doesn't mean that um something predicated yeah on worshiping like i don't know the dark prince of hell who puts above like like self you know basically the triumph of like the self over everything and like most strands of like dark occultism or satanism do that like you could see how that is like not yeah. a great well, mix like gassing people up with that um in our the present day society is actually like doesn't seem like a good thing <laughs> like well this discussion kind of i think reflects like the what i feel like is the approach that one needs to have towards like uh something like evil or like satan right is that uh evil isn't about like isn't a matter of symbols you know uh this stuff doesn't work in terms of like how things appear right that's one of the fundamental facts about the devil basically in any conception of it is that the devil can be like fair seeming right the mm -hmm. devil doesn't always appear to be uh what's uh you know it doesn't always appear to be the devil it doesn't always appear to be evil right it can appear to be good and I think yeah. that's broadly true. Like, it's not, and I don't just mean that in the sense of that, like, oh, you know, people embrace the idea of uh, literally uh, worshiping the devil as something good in, as sort of a reaction to uh, their uh, feeling of uh, disillusionment with religion or something like that. Um, but also that, like, you know, groups and organizations that do profess, like, opposition to the devil can in fact be evil and uh yeah, in exactly. many cases yeah like there is a great uh, uh um interpenetration between like those two things like you know extreme uh uh, uh professed religiosity in like a uh in the sort of uh abrahamic or other tradition and uh the tendencies and the uh, impulses and uh the vices that we recognize as as being satanic right so i think that 
It's not a matter of just like, oh, you know, everything that looks evil and scary is satanic um, or appears evil and scary is satanic. You know, it's uh, it's not a matter of uh, the exoteric. Right. It's not a matter of symbols and not a matter of appearances. Um, it's a matter of, you know, it's actual effects. And I think, yeah, exactly. Know, like things that are evil often masquerade as not evil and sometimes they do like a reverse psychology where they're like yeah i like i'm decked out in all the symbols of evil but you know what i'm actually like a really good guy (laughs) or something like that like i (laughs) but actually okay wait there's a twist to this because i was just flipping through like alice cooper's wikipedia page and i found an article from 2007 where alice cooper criticized marilyn manson for being overly anti-christian in his music and in fact in the article he self-identifies as a christian Mm. which is interesting so i don't know if that's a later phenomenon of alice cooper but that's almost like a uh, an insane clown posse thing where they had this like extreme kind of image and yeah, content the in their music. Is the, Jesus. Yeah, the, yeah, it's yeah, kind of right. like that. Mm-hmm. Hold on, Alice Cooper. When did he, I wonder if he converted at a certain point? But it's interesting that he, the real I prodigal mean, son, Alice Cooper, shares his testimony. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he keeps going on wow, tour. Wow. His father was an evangelist in the Church of Jesus Christ. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, there's a lot with... We might have to return to Alice Cooper one day. And his, he, grandf- his paternal grandfather, Thurman Sylvester Fernier, was a leader and later president of that church organization. Wow, so he's a church kid. Interesting. That kind of makes sense, too. Oftentimes, like, you aesthetically rebel well, against... He's a Mormon, you, right? Oh, wait, uh, wait, LDS? The Church of Jesus Christ. That's uh, not. That's not LDS, though. Well, the Church well, of Jesus Christ of Latter-day it Saints. The Book of Mormon is scripture, so they're, I, oh. they're not. Yeah, I oh, think they're a Mormon whoa. organization. That actually is even more true because I think that there's a lot of bands of sort of like lapsed Mormons that you know, especially from like Las Vegas. Like I remember the Killers were like this, and uh, God, maybe a couple other groups. But you know, it's the kind of thing where you know, if you kind of fall out with the community, then you like you go super hard in the other direction of like all the things you're sort of prohibited from in Mormonism, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of a thing. It's kind of a vibe. So interesting, interesting. So then, yeah, he said, and also being from Detroit, that I'm surprised that he's, uh, I, I didn't, I never thought of like there being a lot of Mormons in Detroit. Yeah, they're not like they're the Utah Mormons necessarily. They're like, um, they're kind of like Shia Mormons. Wow. Um, they see Sidney Ridgeon as Smith's rightful successor, um, who I guess Mormons don't necessarily agree that he was, right? Yeah, following the death of Joseph Smith, his succession crisis led to schisms in the movement. The Brigham Young branch traveled west to Utah, while Rigdon traveled eastward to Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. So they ended up and, kind of in the Rust Belt. Yeah, they're, they're Shia Mormons. Wow. And, okay. Uh, Fascinating. Yeah. They're sometimes referred to as uh, Rigdonites by non-members. So, yeah, this is basically like the, yeah. Uh, Interesting. The, the and, yeah. Okay, um, so, I, I mean, also, like, his performance art as well, it went a lot deeper than just kind of dressing up shockingly. There was a whole kind of, like, bizarre, 
like theater aspect to his uh, stage performances. And I guess, I guess it morphed from a more androgynous kind of figure gradually into the kind of the villainous, like dark guy that became sort of his like default personality. And, but there were like mock ex- executions and gothic torture modes being imposed on Cooper, climaxing in a stage execution by electric chair, with the which is actually how uh, Beef in *Famine of the Paradise* dies. Is he he, he has like a lightning yeah, bolt light yeah, like right. thrown at him, yeah. and he gets electrocuted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wonder if De Palma like knew Alice Cooper and was like friends with him or something, huh? L.A. just didn't get it. He said. Because he didn't move there until 1972. He was in Detroit. He said, L.A. just didn't get it. They were all on the wrong drug for us. They were on acid, and we were basically drinking beer. We fit much more in Detroit than we did anywhere else. Hmm. Interesting. So he kind of really went against, like, the kind of hippie flower power bands, like, in mm-hmm. his early years. And then that kind of morphed into, like, this performance, like, extreme, violent performance thing that yeah. then kind of went into like macho glam rock territory and let's see what did he say about marilyn that manson makes thinking he, about it as something that was like a reaction against the the hippie vibe makes sense you know because um, i guess you could say like the stooges and like there are a couple other bands that were kind of like that i mean we even talked about how credence like a little bit was like bucking against like the super hippie flower power trippy kind of trend mm-hmm. like they like indulged in it a little bit early on but then they took it more in like a southern direction it's uh it sounds like yeah they kind of did that uh as well huh i guess on his album brutal planet all his songs are reality based which uh he says the four scariest songs on the album were all from cnn they are Blow Me a Kiss, about the Columbine shootings, Wicked Young Man, about hate groups in America, and Pick Up the Bones, about the war in Kosovo. Interesting. He says, I literally saw that on CNN, said Cooper about the latter song. I saw the guy collecting his family in a pillowcase. I couldn't believe it. I sat there and I said, Stephen King couldn't write this. Nobody would believe it. I was in the midst of writing Brutal Planet, and I started getting all this evidence that we're already there. The even greater horror, said Cooper, is that we don't react. We live in these little convenient pockets called Toronto, Phoenix, said the Arizona-based rocker. We might as well have the glass bubble put over top of us because we're so insulated. There are 65 wars going on on this planet right now, but everybody talks about how enlightened we are. Everybody talks about how technology is bringing the global community together. And isn't it great that we're living in such a time of peace? Genocide is rampant. Wow, okay, facts, uh, Alice. Um, As you might expect, some of Brutal Planet's lyrics are heavy, and Cooper expects some flack, particularly when it comes to Wicked Young Man, in which the protagonist talks about having, quote, a pocket full of bullets and a blueprint of the school. Well, don't you think we ought to know who this guy is, he said? I think Alice... Oh, he also talks about Alice Cooper in the third person, like it's a different... Uh, multiple personality. Yeah, that FYI. I vigilant citizen having a uh, oh yeah, a yeah, yeah. with this, you know, the original monarch. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he says, "A uh, quote. I think Alice should write about him. Should describe him. Should warn you about him. He's he's here. We can't just sweep him under the rug. As much as I hate Columbine, we can't just let that be another page in history. We need for that to be something that's in our face for quite a while. Because I mean, if that wasn't a wake up call, what was?" Cooper, who has three children, aged 7 and 19, said he's genuinely concerned about the state of the planet, but he would never put the blame on increasingly violent entertainment. Quote, I took exception to their blame in rock and roll because, of course, it's the easiest target. 
Rock and roll. How does a parent not know his kid's got 50 bombs in the garage? I have a 15-year-old son. I know if he's got a firecracker. I know if he's got a BB gun. I'm in touch with him. I'm connected to him. How do you not know your kid's got enough to wipe out an army with weapons? Still, Cooper, who won't perform in Toronto until spring, did say he has some problems with his 90s counterpart, Marilyn Manson. Quote, I'm Christian, and I'm sitting there going, how dare you tear up the Bible on stage? He even pissed me off. That, and this whole Antichrist superstar, personally, as a Christian, I took real exception to that. I wasn't surprised by it. He was surprised, however, that Manson adopted a, sim- a style similar to his. Quote, I figured anybody that creative would go out of his way not to look like Alice Cooper. To name yourself Marilyn Manson? That's like coming out with a band that looks like Kiss and calling yourself Smooch. It's a little too close, isn't it? Whoa, wow, yeah, okay. He has a bit of a point, yeah. He does have a bit of a point. Now, I mean, maybe I'm retracting a little bit uh, my just... I mean, there's definitely sus vibes going on with Alice Cooper, but maybe it's a little more complex than uh, he's he just beef. He a born-again Christian uh, later on, uh, I guess, after he was a Mormon. After his blackout uh, era? Guess, yeah, after his blackout era. Um, okay, so it seems like he rebelled against, like, he rebelled against his, like, Shia Mormon upbringing and embraced, like, bleh, the dark side kind of shit, and then fell into a freebase cocaine, like, black hole in the 80s, and then became a born-again Christian, but is still mad about, he wasn't wrong about, uh, you know, living in uh, Phoenix and all these other places, and... uh genocide happening (laughs) yeah he wasn't wrong about genocide happening uh in the least yeah it's interesting because he was like really i guess anti-politics like or or getting involved in politics uh at all you know he believes that rock and roll and politics should have nothing to do uh with each other um interesting i kind of respect that to a point he said that uh those who supported john Kerry were committing treason against rock and roll (laughs) Um, i mean well i mean uh, um, you know i mean it wouldn't have made a difference if uh bruce springsteen and all these other people like didn't endorse him but maybe they did commit treason that was around the time rock and roll fell off after 2004 i mean a lot of reasons why you could say i mean maybe it really more 2008 but maybe that's what set it in motion they all committed treason against uh but okay he sounds like kind of a Man, like both sides suck. Like that kind of vibe yeah, is I sort of what so. I'm getting. Uh, but yeah, he is a Christian. He, he doesn't like, like ripping Henley. up the Bible. He said, if I wasn't already a Bush supporter, I would have immediately switched. Linda Ronstadt, Don Henley. Jeez, that's a good reason right there to vote for Bush. Okay. Um, All right. So he was a Bush supporter? Know. Yeah. I don't that's... I mean, I guess. I don't know. Um, wait, wait. So it's treason to uh, support John Kerry, but it's not treason against rock and roll to vote for george w bush uh i mean it seems to be like what he was sort of implying but i mean he might have been being facetious like criticizing those who supported Kerry by saying like that you know i don't know but uh, okay because i almost took it as you know like standing you know yeah standing up for any politician man is a whack but i guess endorsing bush rock star should be vocal about politics while discussing ted nugent he said this. I don't ever talk politics. I don't think rock and roll and politics belong in the same bed together. But a lot of people think it does because we have a voice and we should use our voice. But again, rock and roll should be anti-political, I think. When my parents started talking about politics, I wonder what 
what those conversations were. <laughs> yeah. I would turn on the stones as loud as I could. I don't want to hear politics, and I still feel that way. Interesting. Okay. Weird. Uh, like, rock and roll is his dissociative trigger uh, when to When musicians not are telling people politics. who to vote for, I think that's an abuse of power. You're telling your fans what to think for themselves, just to think like you. Rock and roll is about freedom, and that's not freedom. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. See, all right. This is weird. I mean, it sounds similar to Zappa yes. a little bit, but coming yeah. from like a very specific personal place of <laughs> like uh, running away from Shia Mormonism and weird that Zappa like honed in on this this kid especially and was like, yeah, you know. Rock stars sharing their opinions was the worst idea ever. Like, okay. But he's like um, also yeah, saying guess, like, he loves Bush. Like, well, going off of my mere like my meager knowledge of Alice Cooper, I guess schools out for summer does not express an opinion. Um, it, it celebrates school uh, being blown to right pieces. Now, so, I like public so. infrastructure, it's being, kind of uh, got destroyed. an anti-authoritarian sensibility, right? You know, we can't salute you, can't find a flag. If that don't suit you, that's a drag. All right. Yeah, which gets uh, which new toys. It's um, vague enough to be it can be kind of coded in either direction, and yeah, you know. it's anti-teacher, I guess. Or I mean, is this necessarily? Uh, I guess maybe tonally you get it, but you know, is it, could it be like lamenting that there are no more pencils and no more teachers? I mean, the the uh, tone of the song is so celebratory that yeah. I, I think it's like sarcastic. It's like but celebrating. Then he, also says it's, he says, "Out for summer, out till fall. We might not come back at all." Yeah, mm. and like school, like school's we been got blown no to pieces. We can't even think of a word that rhymes. Yeah, it's like celebrating like not being educated, and being stupid. Yeah, yeah. see, yeah, this is where it gets. This is this is where some of the rock and roll shit. When I value. Yeah, yeah, like when I go um, back on it, it's like like be stupid. Like this is don't like educate the satanic yourself. idea like, of freedom, where it's like yeah. rock and roll is about freedom. It's about not expressing any opinions except like the virtue of being dumb. And not yeah, like yeah. and hating teachers and wanting them to blow up. <laughs> like, and all authorities um, like are tankies that need to be overthrown, like yeah. in this like Freudian way. Like everything's like mom and dad and needs to be like overthrown. Like it's it's so it's interesting how that specific expression of rock and roll like carved out such a big portion of the market, like in the seventies and the eighties, and then like I just keep thinking about that Moscow Peace Festival. In like 1990, where I think like like Metallica or like Pantera, there were like a shitload of like all of these types of bands, you know, came to to rock out or like right before. And I think I can't remember right now, but somebody was sharing something sus about one musician or another like a week or two ago. And I guess the organizer of that concert was also like a music manager who had been caught with like. I don't know, like 25 pounds of like marijuana or something. And as like part of his community service, he was allowed to go organize the Moscow Peace like heavy metal festival in 1990. You're <laughs> just like, uh, so literally he did it like, you know, under the supervision of like law enforcement. Like, I don't know. I have to remember who that is. I don't know why I can't remember it right now. Uh, but uh, this interview in Vulture where he says, I grew up in the church. All my friends were from there. When the band got together, I went as far away as I possibly could go and became the poster boy for everything that was wrong. The right-wing Christian world thought I was satanic. They heard about the hangings and the guillotine and the snakes and all that. They didn't count in the comedy of it. 
They didn't get it. It was a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was based in dark comedy. There was never anything anti-Christian in my show. There were never any upside-down crosses. There was nothing satanic. When I became Christian, my pastor said, look where God put you. And I said, what do you mean? He says, well, you were the Fonz. You were the leader of the pack. And now you're Christian. Don't you think it's a great place for you to be in rock and roll? I went, yeah, I do. He says, okay. I don't think Jesus is looking at you and saying, I gave you all this talent. Don't use it. I take time out to read and pray every single morning. I play right before I go on stage. I'm in church every Sunday with my wife. We have a Christian teen outreach, but it's not going to affect the show because there was never anything in the show that was anti-Christian. Interesting. That's his uh, his position. Yes. Uh, He says, there is no Alice Cooper. I play the character Alice Cooper. I sometimes forget that I'm Alice Cooper. I play this character the same way I would play Macbeth, the same way I would play Jack the Ripper. It's not me. I am totally the opposite of that character. That's why he's so much fun to play. Fascinating. So it, it's, yeah, it's like a, it's a full bit. It's completely it's a, a bit, yeah. I mean, of course, like, you know, I, I agree that, like, representing something and uh, condoning it, like, uh, should not be conflated. But I also think that it, there is certainly complexity there that's long been uh, acknowledged. Not to say that, again, like I said, I really know nothing about Alice Cooper. <laughs> uh, I, I, I strongly oppose the lyrics, school's out for summer. I feel like this should have been the anthem of the recent Twitter discourse of, like, schools suck. I mean, obviously, I recognize the disciplinary uh, aspect of schools and how schools are mechanisms of indoctrination, although I'm yeah. not opposed to schools per se. Uh, I think schools per se are good. I recognize that yes. schools in, you know, American society, you know, the institution of education is deeply imbricated with all the systems that we criticize for sure. But uh, yes. education per se, I uh, do not oppose. I stand um, resolutely that, uh, you know, uh, schools should not like, be blown uh, to pieces. Um, they schools by Ted cool. Prez is a much uh, more sophisticated uh, critique of education than uh schools out for summer i would say so yeah i mean again like i almost feel like yeah i don't know alice cooper is not something that really uh is on my radar uh or something that i you know uh there might be some some susness there but i i don't know if it's like in the the shocking components of it because it's almost so i imagine at the time maybe but at the time i almost could see like that there maybe is some like at least creativity to this because it was a bit more novel. So I don't know, you know, but I, I feel like it's not something that certainly Alice Cooper is not something that I feel like is a, a major, you know, it's not sus in the way of like, Oh, it's, it's so, it's so incredibly demonic, like in its aesthetics, you know, like uh, yeah, maybe like at the time I would have registered differently, but um, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I think the Zappa connection is, worth maybe looking into when we you know maybe one day have to do a dedicated you know sus check on you know frank zappa like the chapter in weird scenes is not enough for some people apparently but i think there's also there's interesting nuances there of uh what made him into i don't know whatever he was but uh all right also since i think this will come out before uh halloween uh, hopefully next week, but uh, I guess I'll just say I'm going to be uh, speaking, doing something at an event in Los Angeles. It's going to be on this Friday, October 27th, starting at 9 p.m. in Echo Park with uh, Recluse, and uh, 
several other personalities. I think we're all going to be talking about the sus history of Los Angeles primarily, but I'll post on Instagram the flyer for it so you can uh, text the number for the address. Um, I don't really know what I'll be doing, but it will be something. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'll be representing yeah, SJ's West Coast there, Wing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a little bit late notice for me, so I won't be uh, making it out to California. But since you are there... Since I'm right there, uh, I think I'm going to pop in. Uh, hand, so if you want to hang out with Recluse, I know there's going to be some grotto heads in attendance. Um, but, yeah, if you want to come kick it, uh, do that. Collecting pieces of my family in an open case. This one has a skull, but it don't have a face. These look like the arms of my father so strong And the ring on this finger means my grandmother's gone
someday the sun's gonna shine flowers will bloom and all will be fine but nothing will grow on this burnt cursive ground cause the breath of the death is the only sound